go ahead and uh, start with this. I am really disappointed this has got nothing to do with the politics. As a group, scientists have failed the younger generation. There should have been a committee formed either by the Nobel Foundation, by Lindau, by the Royal Society, the National Academy, at the, in the middle of February, when this was coming down the road, and we should have discussed this. Instead, we let economics and politics dedicate the science. And for me, the worst opposition I got was from very, very prominent scientists who were so scared that the non-scientists would break quarantine and infect them. There was total panic, and the fact is that almost all the science we were hearing, for example, from organizations like the World Health Organization, was wrong. We had Facebook censoring the World Health Organization, contrary views. This has been a disgraceful situation for science, and I have nothing to do. We should have been talking with each other. Reports were released openly, shared by email, and all I got back was abuse. And you've got to see that everything I said in that first six weeks was actually true, and for political reasons, we as scientists let our views be corrupted. The data had very clear things to say. Nobody said to me, let me check your numbers. They all just said, stop talking like that. So we're going to go straight to, and I just completely messed that up. Why don't you see the back side of uh, YouTube, and I'll make it full screen so you can really look at it. And then I will <laughs> I'll make it go smaller. Uh, and uh, the goal here, did I just go to the wrong spot? We're in the wrong spot. This is what's the problem. Here we go. Check this out. Let's go this way. This way. Right here. Come thou desktop section of my hoping. There we go. All right. We're going to jump right into it then with a question from you dealing with well, you got, you got COVID is all over the place. Everyone wants to talk about COVID. Everyone's tired of talking about COVID. There's a lot of other things going on. I want to get us into talking about COVID in a way that gives us hope and wisdom rather than a way that scares us all more than we're already scared this morning. In order to do that, rather than go straight at the, well, my church is doing this kind of thing, I first want to get into, now I've just lost, the problem is, in the moment, I have lost the one card that is the most necessary. Hang tight. This is so embarrassing, but I know you'll you'll stick around. There we go. It only took a moment. <laughs> it only took just a moment uh, to find exactly what I needed. Let's get us to the right screen, uh, one piece at a time. And I believe if we go right here, wank. Pastor Fisk says, Moises, COVID has directly impacted our lives and people at times are fearful of the gathering, right? Of being coming to church. At the same time, we have a rise of the nuns. This is something that was already here before COVID, right? There are people who are just absent from church, mostly looking like me, right? Uh, you could be female and look like me, that is, but like age-wise you're here. And then you could also be of a different ethnicity, but in, it, it depends on which pocket you're in, right? So in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, we've never really had a surplus of 40-year-old you know, African-American males. Uh, we have had a surplus generally of, of 40-year-old white males. We do not anymore, right? That's the nuns. It's a whole generation that's absent. It largely exists in cultures that have adopted uh, uh, procreative stopping measures, right? What we call birth control. Uh, the side effect of that, and I'm not talking just because of my theology, although I definitely have a confirmation bias on this. 
But the science of that is that once you introduce birth control to a population, you invert the population. You don't actually stay with stasis. You go backwards. You begin destroying the population. It will destroy itself eventually. And what at least looks to be total collapse wherever that happens. They have not shown yet historically, and that's the problem with experiments in history, they have not shown yet historically the society that adopted birth control ended up in the upside down pyramid and turned it around while retaining full birth control usage. I think Sweden would like to do that. I'd be curious to see what they're doing on that. I've not seen those up to date numbers. So that would be fascinating. That said, what's happened in a lot of cultures, most cultures, Western cultures that have adopted birth control is there is a rise of this nuns generation, which is a whole section of people, a certain age demographic of whom there are less of and of whom then they are less tied to what came before, which is really fascinating, right? So like why would generations be sort of increasingly detached from their history and their roots, even as the new generation is like, why don't we have any roots? It hurts, right? Why would people and generations choose to do that, it's because of the lack of ties that large families would bring. So if you have multiple siblings, you're more likely to have one that you like or that's your best friend, right? Not that everyone who has, has two doesn't have their best friend, but now a lot of us, you know, it's not your best buddy, right? So the odds of growing up in a kind of a socially tied organizational structure kind of built into creation that would hold you together and bind you against others for the sake of the good of the body, right? Well, that happens more natively in larger family groups procreative groups than it does in other others. So, you know, Psalm 127, which says that, you know, children are a blessing, sons and daughters are a blessing, it's not really so much a law as, like, you better or else, but the, the blessing is that they, the kids, will not be ashamed when they speak with their enemies in the gate that's in the public square. That is, when they go face-to-face, toe-to-toe, with people out in the world, they're going to have less shame and fear because they've learned how to handle it with people who they love and trust, which happens in larger family groups. So, again, that group, those who are doing that, they're still out there, but they're small, and then those who have not, like, pursued a certain kind of uh, standing against the culture's anti-life stance, start to finish, no matter where it goes, including you should not have more kids because life is bad if you have more kids, right? Any any argument that's more kids, life is bad, that's not really pro-life then, right? It's sort of like pro-life vanilla, maybe, right? Like you don't like death, you don't want to be pro-death, but you're not really about pro-creation, you're more about pro-stasis, or, or maybe I've heard the argument from a lot of Christians pro-stewardship, which is really interesting that you would take steward the earth and say that's a command in the same verse that says, you know, fill it, you say that's not a command. I'm going to say neither from are commands. I'm going to say they're just created realities and you're kind of unwise to be like, I can stop created reality from being creative reality. I'm mean, like, okay, um, have fun. It doesn't go well for the cultures that have tried this. The nuns end up being a thing. So even before COVID hits us, nobody my age is coming to church, at least, well, very, very few, fewer and fewer in between. And anybody who's in their 20s and looking for a that hot Lutheran singles culture. I mean, I, I, I've heard Discord's working, though. Check it out. I mean, it's just, it's just on the ground. I don't know. But seriously, trying to find a, a faithful spouse by hot Lutheran singles. I mean, on fire in the faith, of course. I mean, someone who would be in fidelity looking the same direction as you rather than just looking at you, right? Uh, and, and to do that with your faith and not be so foolish as to say, like, your faith has nothing to do with what you do, right, Nancy Pelosi? <laughs> I mean, wait, wait, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, you, you say you're Roman Catholic. and You're not, though. And everyone knows it. But, but anyway, so the nuns. I don't need to talk about Pelosi. The nuns. Uh, with that in mind, then, so you're asking, like, it's bad times, right? Yeah, it's definitely bad times. It's hard times for the church. Like, it looked bad organizationally and financially before this. And now we're not allowed to meet, kind of, depending on where you are in different places doing it differently with different results and different madhouses everywhere trying to have the conversation because everyone's got a different news source. <laughs> and it makes it a lot of fun, doesn't it? Yeah. So, so with that in mind, you ask, 
how can we use new media, <clears throat> YouTube, Facebook, podcasts, the internet in general, as a missionary outreach? Well, I, yeah, that's been, I, you're asking me this question, Moises, and, and I appreciate why you came to me in the backlog that got us to me answering it here on the show. You're asking me this because, you know, I've been trying to do this since, well, before COVID, frankly, right? And was it an awareness that there were fewer of me in church, not meaning white males, meaning 40-year-old, well, I wasn't 40 at the time. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, what, 24, <laughs> 26? Yeah, there was definitely an awareness of that going on when I said, you know, I'm not going to sit here at this kind, usually, congregation, but, but uh, you know, insular congregation in on the East Coast. Let's leave it there. I'm, I'm not going to sit here for the next 10 years of my life and, well, reading's great. I love it, but, but never try to talk to anybody, <laughs> right? And never try to find a way. If, if we can't grow as a congregation together in learning, well, then I, I'm going to find people who want to hear this word, right? And, and the, the tool for this, that the internet has become, it's like radio of old. It's not so much that, you know, the world is your pulpit. It's just more like the aliens might even hear this someday, you know, when the radio waves reach Pluto or whatever, right? And not that I, I buy that, but um, it's like throwing it out in the water. It's like just distributing pamphlets, right? We, we got to do this. If you didn't, the reason the Reformation was so potently able to just hijack the world from the world's point of view, at least, is that it used the printing press to great effect. It understood the value of a pamphlet, that a pamphlet is definitely different than a congregation. And you shouldn't say, well, you can't make pamphlets because the only form of the church is the congregation, right? That's what the Lutherans have been doing like the last 15, 20 years, is <laughs> arguing about that idea, um, which is an interesting heritage, right? And, and it's because we're so used to people trying to take away what we believe and cherish that we're very defensive about it. And, and I get that. I get that. Um, I've only recently decided not to be defensive about it and decided it's a great and offensive thing to speak Lutheran doctrine and offense is how you win games uh, eventually. <clears throat> yeah. So, so how do you go on offense against and with YouTube, Facebook, podcasts, the internet in general as a missionary outreach? You, you know what? I got no idea, man. Hold on. I'm gonna take a sip of water. It's starting to hurt. Excuse me. <clears throat> I got no idea. I am flying blind. I am following very few Certainly not following Christians. Uh, the oh, I, You could take that out of context, couldn't you? <clears throat> On this issue, Walter A. Meyer, numero uno, the, the original guy who got the Lutheran Layman's League to be what it is through the Lutheran Hour to be what it was and certainly is not anymore, although God bless them for trying, but they're wasting your giving if you give to them. I'm just sorry, guys. Call me. I'll tell you why for free. It, but it's, you're, 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 you're in a spiral like this. You're in an organizational spiral, and you know it, and you just don't know why. And it's because you won't listen to anybody who's not in your bubble. Anyway, <laughs> the guy who made them great didn't really care about bubbles. All he cared about was getting the word out at any cost, even losing. Right? He, I will lose in order to win a hearing for the word of God. Walter A. Meyer, numero uno. And he did this by realizing the radio was like this broad net. Just throw that thing, right? And I think he knew what he was doing. He was pioneering is what he was doing. Unfortunately, the pioneering spirit is not one that is stuck with cultural American Lutheranism, and it's probably true for a lot of American Christianity, although certainly there is a wing of it that has a pioneering spirit, uh, that pioneers may be a little too hard and some things don't need to be pioneered on, and there's a whole bunch of middle that's like, oh, that looks like a great idea because it worked once, and they try it, and like, it didn't work. Uh, let's try it again. <laughs> right, so th there's that idea, too. Uh, but the entrepreneurial reality that Walter A. Meyer the first uh, he, that he just engaged, look, look what's here, use it. I don't know. Try, learn. 
right? Uh, that's my answer to you. Uh, so what have I done? I have selectively targeted every three to four months a different winner in the social media space. And it really doesn't matter where or how they're using that. Um, but it matters that I'm interested in what they're doing. So rather than try to go out and, and target things that will be tedious to, to deal with, I let my interest lead me. So for like three months, I listened to every single Rogan, like every single Rogan. Why? Because I'm trying to kind of not exactly but sort of better actually be – what he does, because yeah, I, I would love to talk to him about it, actually. But anyway, <laughs> of course, of course, why wouldn't I? It would boost my ratings. But but why would I do that? Because I've studied him. I see how he works. I've learned kind of what he's doing, and it's really, really clever. Right? So you've got to watch someone who knows what they're doing, and you've got to find enough interest in what they're doing to begin to borrow from it, because it is a wild west out here. And really, the only rule is, well, did it work? And the ones who know best know, well, if it's going to work, you're going to pay for it. So if you're going to talk about YouTube, Facebook, podcasts, and the internet, you're like, well, back in the day, Jonathan Fisk made a lot of stuff on YouTube, and it got really popular. We should just try. Well, back in the day, it was free, and they were promoting you if you just made videos. Now, it's, you make videos, and they, they hide you unless you're promoting what they want, and then they pay you to promote what they want, right? But if... You want to get your stuff up higher. You both have to have not a certain level of offensiveness, or no one has to see it in that way. Can't get flagged. And then you also got to pay top dollar. Top dollar for it. I remember, I told us before, um, Bethany Naperville, we paid the Yellow Pages, a.k.a. Google, like they work together now, or did, there, in order to get top billing in the YouTube, no, excuse me, in the Google search engine. In our area, and it was all very targeted to locality. I mean, you think that the gerrymandering of the Democrats in, in, in Illinois and South Chicago is a thing, right? Uh, you should see what, what Google Yellow Pages is doing to targeted internet tracking. Oh my goodness. And we spent, I can't remember, so I'm not going to say it. We spent a lot of money every month. I mean, Bethany Naperville was a large congregation with a school and a preschool, and like, it was mainly for the school outreach and, and publicity. But like, it was a crazy amount of money to be like in the top three in this really small area if they search for certain keywords. Now, that means that if you're not paying, you're not getting found, right, unless you're being shared. And so that's the other thing. And so in a, in a world in which you know, YouTube, <clears throat> Facebook podcasts, it is now a closed paywall to be accessed in them and increasingly so in some of them, uh, then you have to find another way in to be either seen in those places. So I'll just say, for example, on Twitter, I attack Twitter the way Twitter attacks itself. And if you don't like my version of it, well, then you probably don't like Twitter. <laughs> and you, you haven't learned that it's like, wow, that's the hardcore in there. And some of it may not even be true. We're trying to figure that out, right? It's, it's hashing out the real-time stuff in space. Like, that's a very different thing doing that than, say, Instagram, wherein uh, I'm just trying to post pretty pictures of the Word of God as often as I can so people who are scrolling past all sorts of weird stuff see a couple words from Jesus, right? Like, so you got to know the, the medium. you got to study who is good in the medium, learn from them, and then target and go. This makes it very difficult for groups to do in the sense of like, we're a big company, and now we're going to be like, act like a creative individual together, right? Like, like <laughs> it's pretty hard to pull that off. Um, you can, uh, you know, uh, Colin Kaepernick's going to do a good job with the NFL on that one. I mean, effectively, is what they're doing there. So you can do it, but it requires sort of abandoning your willingness to, to defend yourself, right? And that could be a good thing. I'm not, I mean, Colin Kaepernick, I, maybe he's, he's going to save us all, right? I don't know. Um, I do. I disagree. But, but um, it's not the, really the point here, right? Um, so 
Okay, so then how am I, Pastor Fisk, using this as an outreach to my local community and my congregation? Now, that's a great question. An absolutely great question. I've known from day one that this really wasn't, at least day one, going to help Philadelphia, where I was. I hoped, but I knew that wasn't how it worked. The value of the internet is that you put one thing out, and even though it's behind a paywall, and it's not going to get shared right away unless it was really, really good and you got a friend, and they've got 10 friends who trust them, and they, you know, poof, there it goes. Generally, it's just going to sit there for a while, and you've got to believe that over time, the capacity of your workload to build will become enough of a bubble in that internet sphere that people will find you. They'll bump into you, and then they'll, you'll have like your moment, and when you have your moment, it is was your content good or not? Right, and that's it. You're, you're, you know this. You're on the internet all the time. Like, was it interesting or not? And you, you got like this much time, especially since everyone's cheating by using music and all this other stuff, right? So, I mean, just be aware of that. You know, it's brainwashing. Um, but, but you have your moment. So, I want to be in as many places as possible to get as many moments as possible, and want to be as clear as possible when those moments happen, so that you hear me say, "He is risen." Before I'm done with the sentence, yeah. <laughs> So, so, I mean, that's how I'm trusting that because I do that and it goes to the world and I cannot target unless I'm going to pay a lot of money in my neighborhood. I'm just trusting that the church of God elect and glorious, the una sancta, the thing that Jesus is electing because of his word, he is risen, you are paid for just happening out in the world that, you know, the, the book's about and all that. Um, I'm trusting that it will function wherever it goes as it needs to, even though I would prefer to have more control over it myself since I do prefer to be God. But I'm not. So instead, I let the Spirit blow where he pleases, trusting that the Word of God is the carrier, the medium by which the Spirit goes, and that any other medium can translate, if confused, um, but also often translate, and the Spirit can translate through that medium uh, faith to the, to the hearer. As opposed to, I'm not one of those, like, the Lord's Supper's happening in your home by yourself just because you watched a video. Like, ah, you go ahead and go into Judgment Day with that one. I'm going to say skeptical. Color me skeptical on that one. <clears throat> so, but did I ever do this expecting it to come home to roost at the local community? Not really. Certainly knowing it's not going to happen on its own. One of my favorite stories ever is that about a year after I left Philadelphia, a family moved to Philadelphia and showed up at the church and wanted to join the church. Maybe they didn't move there. Maybe they lived there all the time. I don't even know. They show up at the church a year after I leave with a book called Broken, Seven Christian Rules Every Christian Not to Break. They become Lutherans because of this book, and they're joining the congregation. They didn't even know I used to be the pastor there. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, 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 but uh, I'm here now. Uh, yeah, but see, that's just it. And the pastor there was blessed by that. So I don't worry about that too much. I don't worry about whether or not it will impact my local community so much as I worry about does my local community – is my local community impacted by the belief that I'm doing this as a good thing or a bad thing? Because that impacts my local community a lot, right? So my congregation thinks I'm spending too much time on the internet. That's going to definitely impact them in a negative way. Now – that could be an error on their part. They could be nearsighted. They could need to learn. They could be immature. They could be unbelievers for that matter. It's quite possible, right? But it still means I have to approach it a certain way. Whereas if you have the congregation in support of it, well, then you have it a different way. And the more the congregation's in support of it, the more you can begin to tailor it to impact the local community. But you're just not going to be able to achieve that by yourself because what you would need then is like, here, I'm making this video. You 15 people, you're sharing it. You share it in your community. You know what happens when you do that locally with the algorithms? Oh, in that community, it goes up a little bit. 
Yeah? And then nationally, it begins to go up again, too. So, so you could, as a congregation, you have tremendous power to begin playing, uh, what, movement social media style. And it's all free will association in theory. I mean, we don't believe it's really free will association. But, you know, it's association in theory, so, you know, there's no, there's no money changing hands. There. It's amazing what you could do. But, but you would have to, like, work together, function together, have one mind in Christ together, follow your pastor, basically, because he says what the scripture says, basically. And all those things would have to be working, you know, well. Uh, to really do it well and really impact your local community on purpose. You hear me? Uh, we're not here, there yet, here. <laughs> and I have a congregation that doesn't mind that I'm doing it. I think some of them love it. I think some of them have no idea I'm doing it. And I think a few are just kind of pleasantly confused but glad pastor's doing something. And you know what? It's just the way it is. And I'm very content with that. I'm trying to then gradually, here locally, as I continue to learn from the what first world pagan practitioners of this stuff who are really good at it is, well, how can I integrate this? How can this become part of the entire thing? Well, uh, uh, this book is a part of that reality, right? I'm trying to bring all the different sources I'm doing or the, the networks I'm using together into one so that it will hopefully, you know, uh, what's it, amplify itself by self-reference. Now, what do I mean by that? It's kind of like scripture interprets scripture, like the, when you when you believe the scripture interprets scripture and you go searching for verses based upon keywords and don't just trust the English, you really do need to use the Greek and the Hebrew for this. But you start trusting keywords to really hold meanings. Uh, it becomes then a self-interpreting or really self-proclaiming, self-understanding reality. You don't need to interpret it. It just it just is what it is because it keeps bringing you back to a foundation you can build on. Now the real goal here for all of us is to have the scriptures be that in our minds, bodies, hearts, souls, all, everything that we are, right? But how do we get there in the midst of all this white noise? How do you, when you've had your framework ripped out from underneath you by 40 years of, of, uh, of what, stupid box mind manipulation, and you're still not even sure you want to give up the mind manipulation because you kind of like it because it's a drug and it feels good. And I'm, 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 I get it. <laughs> I, got, I got red looking at me right there. Ooh, it feels, I mean, it wakes you up. Uh, you're not ready to do that yet. Well, so then uh, what are you going to do? How are you going to crawl your way into something more. And that's what this book is, is the black arrow. It's like, well, let's get to the beginning. Like I wrote without flesh. It's over here. I wrote without flesh because Lutherans need to get to their beginning. But talk them into it is about all of Christians, all Catholic Christians in America getting back to what it's about. If we can't all say this together regularly, we're going to lose. Like, I mean, by lose, I mean, we're just not going to be here. Christianity will go on. Christianity does not lose, but people who abandon Christianity lose. Their Christianity and that of the Christianity around them. So when you see the church, this is like the, my, the last 10 years of my frustration. I don't know how to say it because I'm young and so I sound arrogant whenever I say it. But when you've watched decades, decades of decline in everything we might call pious or godly. And we mean everything. Then maybe... The changes you made in the last 40 or 50 years, 60 years, before you started arguing about music, the things you did before that, maybe those aren't what you thought they were. <laughs> and the thing is, you don't even know what they are, most of you. Sorry, but you don't. You think it's always been this way. And if you found out that just, what was it, 60 years ago? 60 years ago, birth control is illegal? I mean, that's, that's not even talking church. Uh, you know, what do you think the churches were saying about that? Well, around the same time, the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod was promoting abortion. 
which is weird and was a change from, you know, 40 years prior to that when they would have been dead set against it. And well, from 15 years after that, when after the Seminex liberal, we don't believe the Bible's true walkout, we went back to being pro-life. Mostly. Kind of. Sometimes. When you ask us. I don't know, Moises. I'm just throwing it. I mean, cast your bread upon the water. That's it, man. I'm just throwing it. And, and I'm trusting that he who began a good work in me will bring it to completion on the day of Christ Jesus. I've been uh, tested. I've been ordained. I've been sent. I've confessed and been absolved more than once. <clears throat> I trust the scriptures to be true. I trust the Lutheran history to be in line with the great confession of the faith, which means that the book of Concord is a sure and safe bet for what guiding your study of the scriptures. All that being said, then like, wh- what do we got to lose? Like there's a, there's a horde of Sauron's minions and there's me uh, with what? Glambering the full hammer. Well, it's, it's glambering the full hammer. What are you going to do? Run? <laughs> so, like, that's it. Here's the wave. And the white noise media is the wave. And it's the drug. It's the thing. I actually want to be on here to convince you to be on here less. That is one of my primary goals for the next 40 years of my life that I'm going to do this is to get you to watch me less at least. Because it's a different thing. It's a drug. You know, I mean, you know, I, we haven't done the study. I would be interested to learn this. Radio went away so fast. I wonder if. Listening to a three-hour long-form podcast audio between one person or five people also creates the dopamine splash in your head the way just a glimmer of the TV screen flickering with red and blue and green and all that does. The latter is true. It's true for sugar, too. Um, Those are true. The, The former, I don't know. There's definitely something about those who listen to long-form podcasts and what they get out of it which is application usually, and those who watch the flash, 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 and what they get out of it, which is slogans, usually. It's even more true if you read and write, right? So, so my real goal here, it is, he is risen, everybody. Shallow if need be, it's a good place to start, right? You got to start with the first thing, lay the foundation. Um, so, so keep shooting that one out until we all die or he comes back. But on the flip side of it then, uh, not letting it be anything less than a total reality and and believing that the the matrix of media at this point the number of messages you are supposed to discern the truthhood or falsehood of in any given day is supernaturally impossible naturally naturally impossible you're testing the supernatural possibility of it and while the spirit certainly can Make it so that you just stare at those messages forever and they never touch the little little faith in Jesus you got way down in your soul? Is that really your goal as a Christian? To barely squeak by, by the skin of your teeth, in spite of what? Well, I mean, it's going to be this way anyway, right? It is in spite of you. But do you want it to be? When you have the word of God before you that says this, that, the other thing, wise... Those things there, what not wise? Can I even say it? Foolish? Is it offensive to say foolish? Now, I'm off here a little bit on a tangent, but still, how am I doing this in my local community? So I mentioned Twitter. This week I went to a local Rockford Police-sponsored open conversation. The alderman was there. The mayor was there. There were a lot of people there. Room was pretty full. Everybody wearing masks. 
It was all about police violence and police integrity. Uh, how do we, as a local community, continue a crucial conversation where there is a national lack of dialogue? Uh, it went very well, I thought, by the way. But I tweeted about it two, three, four times. One of the tweets, I said, hey, help me. <laughs> Retweet this. Because I, I follow the, the Rockford News stations. Okay, so, so, And I know the Rockford News stations get uh, less than one retweet per post they do on Twitter. So if I can end up being retweeted more often doing news in Rockford than the Rockford News Station, that would mean that I could probably hey say, hey, Rockford News Station, want some help? And then I'd have a little influence, right? So, so like every single way you can, but you got to learn from the various people who are using that medium, what's it good for? And then you got to ask, is this wise as serpent? Is it innocent as dove? I mean, you definitely want to ask that. And it's sort of like, I mean, if you've ever read uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People, Dale Carnegie, you can read that book and you can come away saying, that guy teaches you to be selfish. And uh, my answer to you is, I think you might be. (laughs) Because he's really clear. He's really clear multiple times. He's teaching you how to see and understand other people, not so that you might manipulate them for you, but so that you might wisely help them understand for them, which, well, if you were a liar, it would be manipulation. But since you've told the truth every step of the way for their own good, it's called love, right? Um, figuring out how to do that with these various mediums as best you can, knowing that you're like, you're, like the, you're like the crusaders, man, not the ones at the end that were the bankers and were all corrupt like the, the lizard men. That happens no matter where you are, but the ones at the start who are just these knights who are like, I'm a Christian and I want to defend people from the evil people and I trust God to protect me, right? Well, that's what you kind of got to be right now on this one. And you're working with the pastor, you're working with the church body, that's called accountability, stick to that. If you do not believe what we tell you to swear to damnation and death otherwise on in your ordination vows, please do not, do not, do not become part of the Lutheran Church Missouri Senate, please. Come on. I mean, it's bad enough right now, all of us yelling at everybody. Can we at least try to huddle in the corners where we say on paper, like, I really mean this part at least, right? So, so, but if you believe that, if you think the confessions are real and true, you don't got a lot of options, right? And so, so you got to jump in on us. And then at that point, again, you're sent. You're sent locally, but locally is everywhere right now. And you can't help it in a sense. And soon it will be, I mean, with the more cameras show up everywhere, the more Google's tracking, I mean, with the COVID, come back to COVID. Is you know, you know making it so that they want to uh, track you on your phone, how sick you are. I mean, it's a global reality, um, whether this is good for humanity, good for religion, whether or not off the grid's a real thing. You should watch that documentary if you haven't. Don't think it's easy. Um, you know, all of that. How do you do any of this? You don't. You wake up and you open the Psalter. <laughs> and you read one of the Psalms that talks about how, like, you can't do anything. And you're going to fail no matter what you do. But that Jesus never fails. And so when he builds a house, it always stands. And so believe when he says that if he's going to give you voices to teach, to speak, well, that's your, that's your power. That's your arrows, right? And so if you're a pastor, that means you've got an extra set of voices. You've been authorized as the father of that place to teach, as arrows to prepare for conversation at the gate. And Ephesians 4, we'll be doing that tomorrow to encourage and equip you. What's, what, what is the ministry about? What is repentance, forgiveness, and word and sacrament about? What's about making you not a quiet person, <laughs> yeah, uh, but, but a... A, a wisely, judiciously speaking person. Huh? Uh, so all of it, it just has to dovetail. All right, so now 
with that then, and because we're on on the COVID train, and we're hearing guys from Stanford who have Nobel P- Nobel prizes in science saying that we got COVID so wrong, and we're still doing it because of politics. Um, well, I think that's that's probably worth at least following up here uh, with Rodney. Rodney says this. He said, "I would like to know what you think of this." Two question marks, hints at anger, I think. Uh, it makes me sad and hurt to think our faith is so weak, is it? I'm gonna, there's an attachment that we're going to look at here. Now, Rodney, before we get to this attachment, I just want you to remember, like, everybody's scared, man. We're all scared. And yeah, our faith has been weak. Yours too, dude. Like, all of us. If you live in the United States, you're like, well, my faith was never weak. <sighs> we're all being put through a crucible right now, a marvelously gifted Suffering it is the softest suffering in like the history of civilization. <laughs> this is really not at, that bad, frankly. For Christians, I mean, they used to like burn us on sticks with wild animals around us so they could like throw popcorn at us while they cheered, right? So, so like this is all right here. We're we're, we're okay. We can we can stand up from this one. But does it demonstrate the direction we're leaning? Does it show you as your own temperature gauge? I mean, how how healthy are we? How easy will we fall over? If the government says do this, will we? No matter what? For Fourth Commandment, for Romans 13, got to obey the government no matter what. I mean, is, is that where you are? It's an interesting thing, right? That's, that's, how, that's why I'm going to talk about this question. I really don't – like, look, your, your local congregation is doing what they can do. If they have not – if they won't listen to you, well, then that tells you something about the way the congregation operates, right? So, so like, put two and two together and learn from that. Oh, I'm sad as my church. I love it. Well, Why? You know, I mean, if they won't talk to you about your concern and your your faith, I mean, your pastor won't hear you for your own faith's sake on this, that it's a conscience issue, ask for confession and absolution. Go in and honestly say, Pastor, I have to confess I'm angry because I don't like any of this, and I just want to say I'm angry and I want to apologize for it, even though I don't know how to get rid of it, but please forgive me and then help me understand. And then have a conversation, right? And if and if you won't do that, um, again, it kind of speaks for itself a little bit, doesn't it? So, so okay, um, so the issue then— in this document is more like how can we as Christians be better at bearing with each other in the midst of fear so that we don't get pushed? Because if our job is always to kind of keep the least of these and the weakest of these kind of in the ship with us, it means we're going to like, we're going to let the government do stuff up to a point that we don't like because we don't want people to fall out of the ship because they're scared of the government and their children in their thinking, but children of faith, sons and daughters of the queen, right? So what are you willing to do and where do you draw the line? Now, I think it has a lot less to do with what you actually decided to do, and a lot more with how and why and where the conversation about these things happened. What were your sources of certainty? Where have you placed your hope moving forward? All that stuff. And really, where did you place your hope in the first place? I don't know. It doesn't look like I'm going to get to it. There was an article, uh, Pulpit and Pen had, uh, on Andy Stanley, it was an interview with Andy Stanley, who, who's uh, inherited his mega church from his dad. <laughs> Sorry, you know, I mean, I guess if my son's the best preacher ever, you go ahead and call him. <laughs> but I'm just calling me skeptical, right? So anyway, uh, it's just history, you know. Uh, he was interviewed saying that the Lord doesn't require the congregation Christians to gather. No, it's not necessary to, to gather. Um, See, once you've decided that the church doesn't need to church, the assembly doesn't need to assembly, the group doesn't need to group, uh, I think you've really stepped outside of a certain certain box, right? And I'm not saying like, oh, well, therefore, I condemn you to hell with anathemas and we'll see a judgment day. No, 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 no. It's more like, all right, well, like, 
I guess we'll see at Judgment Day then, right? Like, that's... I'm not going to go with you. Like, the condemnation of heresy is like, I'm not going with you on that one. Maybe there was a time in the church that got a lot of hand, and, and again, they were burning us too, Lutherans, <laughs> uh, you know, over these kinds of things, over these debates. I think that's a mistake. But I think that you really got to be able to say, um, when there is a time when a congregation, an individual, a group, a church body is making decisions publicly that you are, in your conscience, vexed by, you should not ignore that. You should not ignore that. And, and I think most of us aren't. No, I shouldn't say that. I think 7,000 have not bowed the knee in Israel. And depending on where you are, that can be a most or a least or a some. I think you need to believe that that's on purpose. And God knows who are his own. And wherever you remain and are being fed will be better. It'll be a better faith experience. Ah, did I say it? Yeah, subjective justification of your experience. It will be better than it was before. Unless you just let the world drag you back to before. Which is what your real concerns should be, right? The real concern with the actual practices are... How much of this is just us doing what the world does? And how much of this is us believing anything? My interview with uh, Dr. Koontz that we recorded this week, it won't come out till next week. He was talking about how, and I, I asked him again to, to say more, and he didn't say enough on it. I want to ask him again now. Uh, how the idea of truth, like a truth that we believe to be true, is so scary to us that we will avoid it. And the implication is this. Now, again, I want to ask him more about this one. But the implication is this, that like if I were to sit together with all my elders who are the most faithful men in my congregation, I love these guys. They've been great through this. And we've had disagreements. In fact, I would say that the polar ends of our congregation are represented in the elders. And it's been healthy. It's the best thing I caught, right? It's fun? No, not really. I mean, there's times. It's been great to work together, but other times where as a team, it's like, ah, got to put up with each other. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, but it's been marvelous because that's what Christianity is. If you can't say that's a good thing, you're not a, aware. You're not aware of how active your faith can be. I brought up my elders uh, for a reason here. Now I'm going to lose it. Ah, uh, pity poo. Hmm. Well, the converse, I'm going to go back to the conversation that we have had as elders has been the key. That we have continued to put word and sacrament. Like people need to hear Jesus together from their pastor. People need to receive the supper together from their pastor. How can we do that and continue to alleviate the fears? Oh, that was where I was at then. So you have this ship with people who are afraid. You don't want them to fall off, right? And so you always bear with each other. The trick is then part of bearing with each other is when someone says, we're bearing with you. We're putting up with you. But you try to grow too, right? <laughs> like, like here's the scriptures which say we should not be afraid in this way. Let's, let's move on, right? So, but, oh, that's what, and this was the, where I was really going. The question on the truth. So if I were to ask this group of elders, is COVID true? We would stumble and struggle with that conversation. Because truth has become such a, not a word really. Like, what does it mean? It's like, it's like you know, um, Goulash. What is goulash? I mean, technically, it's whatever you put in the pot, right? So, so I mean, you know, what is truth? And then we know Pilate says that, and we scoff, and well, of course there's truth. But then, like, you ask the question, you know, do we all believe this to be true? And clearly right now about COVID, no, no, not everybody or anybody believes the same thing to be true, which is what makes it so difficult to talk about. There's no real belief by any of us in one thing. Many people believe there is a thing called COVID, 
not everybody believes that it's the same thing, right? Is man-made? Is it just natural, right? To come from a bat randomly? I mean, there's so much debate about it, right? What is truth, <laughs> right? White noise. Ay, ay, ay. So the challenge that we have to try to live is people who believe there's a truth when we don't even believe there's a truth. And then we're going to try to apply that, what, to, to making tactical decisions in real time on the fly, already pressed for stress, thinking our congregations were going to collapse before all of this, in a system in which distrust in the pastor is built into the organization. And so there is no real leadership generally without a lot of fear, hemming and hawing, and frankly, um, it's like, it's like Congress, <laughs> you know, like I'll do this if you do that. The bigger it gets, the more likely that's going to be the case, even if nobody says it. So, uh, you know, question number two, you know, my children have graduated Bible college. One's becoming a pastor. I have heard, I have a hard time expressing this to them or my church, but I believe we are caving to pressures we should resist. Right. Well, I, yeah, I'm kind of with you. Okay. So, but I, I want you to be gentle too, right? Because remember that the church is always being tested or being tempered by being tempted to fa- uh, to to adopt or lessen the word of God that we've been given. It's always the case. Like you wake up in the morning and the devil's going to try to do that to you personally all day long. Not, maybe not him personally because he's not that good, really. Uh, but, but the idea, his plan, uh, the plan of your nature, and really it's your own spirit, your own flesh, it's your biggest enemy in all this, is, is not there to help you or remind you of the truth. Uh, and so we should always expect these things to come at us. And it's going to, the, the, the real question here is like, are there liars, right? Is it possible that there's such thing as someone who's in this just for themselves and really doesn't believe any of it? Yeah. And the Bible's pretty clear that they will be in and among those who look like believers. And we won't know until judgment day who that is, which is why when you see something, you're like, okay, this is a hodgepodge mess is what it is. No matter how you look at it. And it might be the best thing for that congregation. It really might be. But then to try to talk about it as some sort of like truth barometer, like there's no way, right? There's just too much going on. So I can't, I cannot condemn or endorse any of this locally, right? Um, I can talk about what I think and what I do. And this is how removed from any idea of like dogmatic reality, like even common sense is lost to us now because common sense does you no good when there's no framework at the bottom of the whole thing. You see what I'm saying? And, and so again, the white noise, bop, 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 slogan, bop, 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 gaslighting, bop, 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 don't even know what happened last week. It's all coming. And now we're going to get together and 10 of us are going to make a decision for 150 of us. And, and we're just going to do our best. Well, yeah, that's what you're going to do. And they're going to bear with each other because you know you messed up because you have to, because there's just no way you got it right. I mean, the guy, the Nobel Prize guy, we all got it wrong. <laughs> Oh goodness gracious! Uh, so, so here, here's your plan. You know, the, the return to church services. I, I have no desire to pick a fight with whoever this is, whatever church this is. I probably will not like a lot of it, though. I'm mean, just, just heads up. And we've been pretty sticklery here about certain things um, that we believe are essential to the life of the congregation. And we wanted to, if we had to like rebuild our code during a weird, you know, shutdown reboot time, let's rebuild this thing on the flesh of Jesus Christ being eaten and drinking for the life of the world and how I can never die now because I just hate it, right? Let's do that since I'm afraid of dying this week, right? So, and, and doing that has, has paid dividends for us. If you're past that moment, I mean, how do you get back to that moment? Well, that's what the book Without Flesh is about again. So, yeah. So here's the plan, though. Okay, so please do not consider coming to church if you have any symptoms. Well, I mean, that's like really, really wise. That always has been wise. That's been wise for a very long time. And people who don't do that are rude. The reason that we don't tell them they're rude is because we've become the fools who don't believe it's okay to tell people they're fools. Which is interesting. It's what happens when you don't believe there is a truth. But it is pretty wise that if you are sick to stay home, it will be better for you 
and it will be better for everybody else. Straight up. You know, I mean, I mean I'm not talking about like, like if you got COVID uh, symptoms that are going to kill you, go to the emergency room. I'm not saying don't do that, right? Actually, calling your doctor before that point would be a better idea. But, you know, all that said, we're talking about church. And <laughs> um, yeah, you shouldn't go if you're sick, period. Whatever your sickness is. I mean, if it's contagious, if it's contagious. All right, so uh, church entry and exit will be available front or early only. Yeah, so one way in, one out. Uh, we're doing that too. I Actually, I really like the idea of one way in, one way out. would actually be even better, but it's hard to do where we are. But if you could do it, like the airflow would then be better if you're, look, if you're really worried about germs, right? Airflow is a very important thing. Um, uh, please refrain from shaking hands, hugging, or passing items between people that are not in your cohort. Oh, I like the word cohort. That's not so bad. So like shaking hands, right? It is the weirdest, like, daftest tradition. It, it really is. It is it's based on trust. And so, like, there's this whole, like, half of the planet that inherited some tribal action that believes that trust exists when our hands meet and we grip and shake. And then there's, like, the, the offshoot rejection of that that can't get away from it. It's like, well, we don't meet and shake, but we, like, we go patty-pat or whatever, you know, boop to boop boom or whatever it is. I'm not against it. I think it looks really cool. But it's a strange, like, sociological habit. Like, you're an alien. You're watching us. And you're like, well, this half of the planet goes around, and they touch each other's four tentacles, right? <laughs> and, and the other half goes around, and they wear masks when they're sick and bow to each other instead. Well, that's very interesting. You know, and, and, and well, an awareness of hygiene and germs, I mean, it, it is what it is. People are so afraid of drinking out of the chalice, a, a silver-slash-gold-plated cup filled with alcohol, all of these things which kill germs, and yet they want to shake the pastor's hand. It's nuts. <laughs> it is absolutely bonkers nuts. And as pastors before COVID, we had to sit there and have people make these arguments about the individual cups, and we just had to not say anything about the handshake, right? Well, the handshake's true, and they just, you know, you just be mad at us or something. So I actually consider this kind of a good moment. It's like, well, look, we can at least be honest about it. I don't mind shaking your hand, but then don't tell me you're afraid of the chalice, for pity's sakes. Or, but you better wash your hands right away after shaking mine, because I just touched everybody's hands. And I know where that boy's been. I know what I saw what that boy was doing to other young boys. I, I, what am I going to do? I'm your pastor. I got to shake their hands, right? So, like, like it's really not unwise. Uh, what place does the, the handshake have? It replaced something called the kiss of peace, which in the early church was a recognition that I do not hold any grudges against every single person in this room as I go to the table today. So I can die today, and you're all, you're all in paradise with me. I'm pretty confident. Right? That's the kiss of peace. And I'm not going to go off on what the, where that went, what that was, but... Um, I don't know. I'm not going to like, I'm not going to die on the hill of handshakes. Goodness gracious. I, it's hard as the pastor. I've been so used to doing it. Like stopping was hard. And now that some people are doing it again, which I'm kind of okay with, but it's hard to come back with it too. It's a weird, it's a weird animal trait to, to wiggle appendages <laughs> at each other. Uh, but, but uh, I, so I wouldn't draw a line in the sand on it. Right. Um, uh, we'll be unable to visit our Nothics uh, as we are used to. Yeah, conversations will need to take place outside while observing physical distancing. Now, if there actually is a pandemic that is airborne, that's what you probably should do. Is there an actual pa- pandemic right now still that is airborne that's killing people? That's the question. Uh, ushers will be wearing masks. Again, uh, do masks work? There's multiple different versions of advice on that at the moment, so I'm not going to weigh in today. Uh, it, uh, I'm not wearing one alone by myself in a room, I'll tell you that. <laughs> uh, let's see here. You, uh, ushers will be wearing masks, yeah. Um, and that's only polite, though. If, if people are afraid and they think masks work, even if they don't work, for the moment, until you know they don't work, until you know it's a hoax, and everybody else knows it's a hoax, and I don't think it's all a hoax. On that note, I think there's hoaxing going on. Uh, you know, it's gaslighting and, and you know, using it going on. But in the meantime, what's your goal? Your goal is peace. Your goal is people to not be afraid. So if you can suffer by wearing a mask, 
for a couple weeks. Now, the question is, how did this conversation take place? Is the goal to get the mask off? Because in my congregation, the goal is to get the mask off. Our goal is to sing with our masks off. We've been singing with masks on. Our goal is to sing with our masks off. And as soon as there's enough consensus in the world of truth out there about what masks actually do or don't do, well, we'll, we'll move again on that one. Uh, I think the time is just is just a matter of time. It's not so much about whether, whether the masks work. It's about uh, Sweden and uh, Ireland and all this other information about what the version of COVID that's out there right now is like versus the one that we did not prepare for, did not handle well, and probably made worse by some of the things we did, according to the scientists that are being silenced by the national media. I don't know. I just live here. I'm just a citizen, and I can't help but think. So if you're mad about all that, well, it is what it is. Uh, uh, masks. So I wear a mask in Illinois because... I am told to wear a mask. And so when I go into a store, I wear a mask. As a pastor, I do not wear a mask. Everyone else does. Why do I not? Because Jesus would not wear a mask. Why would Jesus not wear a mask? Because he can't spread disease. Come on. He heals people with a touch. He doesn't need a mask. Like, like the people who would say, Jesus would wear a mask, like, you don't know who Jesus is, nor do you believe in him, and stop talking. It's, it's just, it's, but does Jesus want you to wear a mask if your brother's like, dude, I'm so afraid right now, I'm so afraid, please wear a mask? Yes, he does. If your brother's still willing to come get communion from the pastor in the same service as you and wants to sit six feet away, but he'll come get communion next to you from the same chalice, oh my goodness, wear the mask. I mean, it's just that easy, right? Who do you care about, you or them? And that's the question, right? And I can't answer that for your congregation or for you from this. I can only say, you know, our ushers are wearing masks right now. We call them, yeah. Um, you'll be asked by an usher in the front door to sign in, sanitize your hands. We, we do most of this. Um, you will be encouraged to wear a mask. Uh, ours are actually, yeah, uh, required at, at all three services still um, for the moment. Again, because why? Because the conversation is broad, and, and we're all part of it, and no one's going to railroad anybody. That's how a roundtable works, and that's really the way to work together as Christians. No matter what structure you have, you want everybody at the table. Um, so, 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 uh, usher at the sanctuary doors will facilitate the congregation entering. Yeah, yeah, we do that. We do ushering um, at two of the services, not all of them. But it, it works kind of nice, and that's an old thing in Lutheran circles anyway. We, you know, ushers are, are old and bringing in and out. Uh, sit in your usual spot. Have the pews removed. That's interesting. That's a lot of work. Um, and they have these little like ropes you could hang up, and then you know, because maybe someday it'll be normal-ish again. Although I've had the thought. I mean, you know, pews are new, right? Like they're super new. Uh, they're they're super lazy modern new. Like like in the olden days, back when back when chivalry was awesome and kings and knights ruled the world. Not that everything was really so great, honestly. But back in those days, you did not have pews in church. You had a big open floor. And there were some chairs or pews and things around the side for the elderly. But if you were, you know, if you didn't need to sit, uh, you stood. Why? Well, you, life's good for you when you stand. You know, if you sit, you're more likely to die young. Like the more you sit, the, the earliest of your death, they trace it, whatever, however it goes. And it's like connected to the longer you sit every day, the sooner you're going to die. It's like it's like up to 10 years kind of thing. It's a major, major thing. Standing, standing desks, look them up. They're great. Right? So standing church was a thing once upon a time, which also would have allowed things like reverence and all sorts of other kneeling. Um, I'm not advocating that so much as like I don't think it's possible, although I would love to have that. That would be amazing. Some Eastern Orthodox churches have it. You can visit and see it. It's, it's really quite something. Um, of course, their services can go quite long, too. Um, but 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 <laughs> uh, the point being, uh, removing half the pews, fascinating, fascinating. I'd use rope to block them off, you know, where I'm at. But but um, I'm not necessarily like, like a, a, a pew-pew kind of guy. <laughs> I had to say, sorry. <laughs> uh, I'm not exactly a pew kind of guy in the sense of, like, I don't think we have to have them. I like I like ancient. I like old. I like beautiful. I like reverence, right? The pew is not the only way to do that. Um, and, uh, well, you know, it is what it is. Um, they're trying to create space. I mean, it makes sense if there's really a pandemic. And there are certainly plenty of people who believe there still is one. So we got to kind of act in good faith, right? Um, da, da, da. Bibles, hymnals, pamphlets will be removed. You know what? <laughs> 
I don't let a good crisis go to waste. Uh, we gave away our hymnals. We're giving away our hymnals. If you don't have one yet, it's yours now. Put your name in and bring it to church. They're not in the pew anymore. Look at that. It works. Oh, we can be in our hymnals at home. I got people, not everyone. Not everyone, just a little tiny core. But you got to shoot big and know like the three that it hits in 10 years, those seeds will blossom, right? So there's a couple people using their hymnals at home and they're reading the hymns as devotions. They're looking up the Bible verses like all of that. Thank you, COVID. Cheers. No hymnals in the pew. Like that, that's the way. That's the, I mean, and I'm not saying you have to do that. But here, this is part of the thing too. So when the world says zig, do you try to zag? You're like, yeah, you watch me zig. Check this out. I've been waiting for these opportunities. Now, what can you bring to bear on where you are? And this, now you're not in the place where you can do this as a congregation. The question I have for your congregation is, are they asking this kind of question? Are they saying, how do we hit things we've needed to hit for a while while this is happening? How do we be faithful to the Bible in a positive way with this obstacle that's before us? And the removal of hymnals from the pews is a way, and Bibles, is a way to put hymnals and Bibles in the hands of the people. So, so like, right? And it's not that you have to do that one, right? I don't, I, I don't care about the tactic. I'm trying to get you to understand the first principle. The strategy is that when there's an obstacle in your way, you can assume it's in God's way. Or you can assume it's not in God's way and God has something good to do with it. And you can sit still for a second and think about it. <laughs> Pray maybe. Yeah, read the Bible. Um, and so, so that's, again, so many of these are like, well, why? There's so much context needed for all of this. Um, no congregational singing. We have that at two services. It's really awful. We speak the whole thing. People kind of uh, don't mind it, but they kind of want it back. It certainly shortens the service. Um, strangely, some things are more reverent in that. In that, um, But eh, yeah, I don't know what to say. Um, until there is truth again. <laughs> um, offering in a receptacle near the nar- narthex quarantine for 24 hours uh, before being counted. I don't know if that'll really help it to quarantine it. I won't get the cocaine off in most of those $1 bills, which a lot of them have it on. I don't know if you ever knew that fact. Google it. Maybe it was an urban myth. I don't know. Uh, but, but you know, fine. Um, yeah, electronic answers. Again, though, offering. So, like, you know, the old way of having your offering given was that there was a receptacle at the back. You just put your stuff in it. That's the old way. Way back in the day. A little lockbox right there. Put the stuff in it. I don't know. Maybe they waited 24 hours to go get it. Who knows who went and got the monk, you know. Or, or what, the Lutheran rector, you know, in, in 1700s, you know, Saxony. I, I don't, I don't know, but they're, they're still there. You can find them in Europe, these metal boxes. People still put their money, go clink, 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 all that kind of stuff. Um, it's really cool, really cool experience. And there's something to it. It's like, it's like the widow's might, right? As opposed to the, the, the big broad gift I put in front of everybody. So I've never really understood the American uh, offering practice. I, I just say never. I've always understood it as, oh, it's obviously what we do until Herman Sasa said, it's the weirdest and daftest thing I ever saw to watch Americans put cash on the altar. That's just bizarre. Who would do such a thing? And, and then I realized they don't think about it. <laughs> That's Herman Sasa, Lonely Way, volume one, I'm pretty sure. And first article. Um, it's uh, <laughs> So... So our offering practice is 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 mammon esque, really. Uh, it's certainly not straight up biblical to say, well, we have to pass it around, right? And certainly the idea that we would use paper cash uh, as opposed to say gold that doesn't pass germs. I mean, think about it. The old world really knew its hygiene. They were so much smarter than us. It's amazing. We think we're gods. We think we made a pact with death because we found penicillin a hundred years ago, and now we're like, well, we're going to be fine and good forever because the progressive dream is evolution unto utopia. Oh, it's called what is it again? Transtopia. But, 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 all the same, you just trust us. It'll get better. Keep, keep trusting us. Watch more TV. Nothing's going wrong anywhere. There will be no nursery or Sunday school programming. I, I, again, am failing to see the negative in this problem. <laughs> you forgive me. I, um, it has been such a gift of the Lord to me that we have no Sunday school here at, at St. Paul. 
uh, I, right now we have no Bible study either. And that's really the, the bigger issue is, you know, how are your fathers learning that they might teach the children? That's the real question. And, and if you're like, what's no Sunday school? Yeah, I'm going to ask my question again. How are the fathers learning to teach the children? Because if you're not doing that, I don't care what else you're doing. It ain't going to work. Or it's very unlikely to work. Like you're, you're, you're not sowing on good soil, put it that way. Right? You're sowing intentionally on the weeds. Like you're throwing it on the weeds on purpose. Right? Don't do that. Uh, it's not that the kids are the weeds, right? We just have to get the parents to actually scatter the seed. Uh, and Sunday school has never done that. In fact, it's done the opposite of that from the very beginning. It really is meant to be a reading program for British street children. You know, that's what it came from. So, you know, that it's not happening now. I'm not really going to lose my mind on it. I mean, frankly... Uh, it's kind of like the public school system. Like, like all these public school kids who are online are like not really doing it. Well, I don't mind them missing out on the brainwashing. That'll save the planet. I mean, really, my, maybe this is God's grace and mercy to us. Or like, oh, they're all going to turn out animals. Maybe they all turn out common sense realists. That'd be amazing. <laughs> a whole generation of them. Like, what were you guys thinking? We're going to go back to the Republic, obviously, right? <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. But I'm not going to lose sleep over something that doesn't matter. And frankly, Sunday school... If it matters, really, the testing results are that it matters in the wrong direction. And if you go, no, it can't. I've done it my whole life. And I have all these like stories. Fine. You're good at it. You're not normal. Own that. You're amazing. Okay? But reality, reality is not what you've been doing all that time. Reality is the nuns that I started this whole thing off with, right? We're gone. I remember Sunday school. I remember all the teachers were gone. So um, I'm not going to cry about science. No nursery. I now get it. Okay. So if you have a child with you and the nursery is a place where you can hear the sermon while you deal with your child in a kind, gentle, parenting manner, like that's a bummer if you're taking that away. That really is a bummer. Um, but if it's just like the check off, drop off the kids so that I don't have to worry about my kid, like, like I'm not a parent right now because I want to go praise God without my, my progeny whom he has given me and not have them learn from me how to do this, I'm really not going to lose sleep over that one closing down either. I, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm so crazy. Uh, it is the mad Christian Saturday morning chill. Did I ever say that? That is. It's, I'm outside the box. No question. Look, look, look. I even look like I'm outside the box. You can see it right there. I'm totally outside the box. So, all right. Uh, so whatever, dismiss me. Um, the, the children will need to stay in their pew with their families. Uh, even though like they spread antibodies, right? Like, like if herd immunity is a thing, which it sure looks like it, like the way to have the children benefit us would be to let them roam during the service, which by the way is good for them. Um, and their learning style lets them learn how to learn however they want to learn. Here I am in this place. It's safe. It's different. It's reverent. I'm learning, right? And the kid eventually figures it out. But yo, know, hey, um, with their parents, maybe the parents will bring their hymnal from home and open it and show the kid how it works. That would be awesome. So, again, it could be a good thing. Um, pastor will be unable to greet people at the sanctuary doors. I've tried to go outside and do it. It doesn't always work, and it log jams things a bunch, but I still try to do it. That's probably the worst uh, thing here is you know, pastors function as a, uh, a network information hub for the congregation, no matter how you do it. And and in that, that time you have every morning after the service, at least in, in my tradition, is like the, right, do you need me right now? Moment. Like, like, like did, are, are we going to, is there something I'm forgetting about? Tell me right now so I can make sure I get on the schedule this week. Like, that's kind of what it is, right? It's, it's your moment to get on the calendar. And uh, uh, so to lose that is kind of rough, right? Because um, most people are afraid to call their pastor and, you know, they know their pastor's busy. And that's because there's people who aren't afraid to call their pastor, right? There's lots of stuff going on. Um, 
But losing that face-to-face contact is going to hurt you long-term. It really will. So unless you're replacing this with some online face-to-face contact, you're really going to be in trouble. Uh, the church will be sanitized following service. I mean, I don't, I don't have a problem with that. From what I understand, the stuff the dentist figured out in South Korea a long time ago is very safe and uh, very safe and easy, cheap. I mean, it's not. It's just a fog, a mist to do it. So, and it works against all the different viruses. So, like, like, there's some good that can come out of this. And I hope I demonstrate. Like, I, I really didn't have a problem with most of that list as a whole. It's like, wow, that's a lot. I mean, we've sent out stuff like that too. Um, the, the bigger question is why, right? What is the what is the gravitational force of your conversation about? Is it about bearing with the weakness of our fear of death until we get over our fear of death? and get back to what we know is true and figure out what true is? Or is it us being blown to and fro by every wind of doctrine, right? Every, every myth that comes down the pike. And that question is, is super fair. I think it's a super fair question. I think if you're not asking that question, then you are guaranteed to have the wrong answer to that question. Uh, and that's where then as a pastor, you know, with, with the guys I'm talking with, that's my chief concern. I always say this, but like behind it all, it's like, all right, Whatever answers we come up with this week, right, what's our long-term aim here? And our long-term aim is that the gathering, physical, of human bodies to eat Jesus because he is risen. And this is how you know, again, that you are paid for. And this is the promise that you cannot die now. And this is him not being long now anyway. He's come again. He will come again sooner with more glory. Like binding ourselves to that. And that when we gather around that, we're brought into it by the scriptures being opened and understood in such a way they can come out of our mouths again later. If you build on that, you can't lose. You can shrink. You can close your building, not have enough money. I mean, however you define losing is going to be based on whether or not you're reading the scriptures. If you're reading the scriptures, you're going to define losing very, very differently <laughs> than everybody else does. And that tells you a lot when you're in these meetings. And people are like, well, what about this? What about that? It's like, well, how are you defining losing right now? How many times do words go in your head that are not the scriptures versus words that are the scriptures? And you think you're just going to know what the Bible says? You're going to just bring it to bear all the time? You, I mean, it doesn't work that way. It does not work that way. We're going to come back in just a moment with some more talk them into it. We're going to get into a couple pages here about how to, well, this morning it's how to prepare to learn to be a conversationalist. Because a lot of talk them into it is going to be really devotionally oriented on where is your faith? How is your inner life? Can it be uh, improved by the desire to listen to others tell how they need to hear Jesus from you? Right? That, that's this. So we'll come back in uh, about three minutes. Here. I'm going to take a little break and dig right into that. Stick around. All right, before we jump into that real fast, nice conversation taking place between Hercules, Flambeau, and Baron Albatross in the comments, whether or not Luther is right when he says Jesus is the rock in Matthew 16, 18, or whether that rock, as many fathers before have said, uh, is Peter's confession, or, as the Pope is wont to say, St. Peter himself, meaning the office of the Pope that he still wears. It's quite a debate, and I'm not going to necessarily solve it between you guys right now, but I would point out that distinguishing between saying the rock is Jesus and the rock is Peter's confession is a bit like distinguishing between baptism and water. Like, you really are kind of weird to try to do this. Uh, his confession is that Jesus is the Christ. So that that is, again, the same answer. So I think you guys are in agreement with each other, and I just hope the internet doesn't make it seem like you're not. But what we're going to do is tell you not how to answer someone you're in disagreement with, but to talk a little bit about how to get that opportunity first by, well learning how to listen to them. Uh, but for that, we're going to continue on our track of 
understanding that Christianity does not have a martial art because it is against the martial life. The point is not that we're against discipline. The point is not that we don't believe we should be doing things. Uh, The point is that we believe our doing ultimately doesn't matter, but that what happens at the end of it is that a breath comes out of us that confesses Christ. And that we want that to be more and more. That's the St. Paul mindset at its heart. Uh, That's the way St. Paul was, right? You want to imitate Christ? Well, Paul says imitate Paul to imitate Christ, unless you think Paul's a sinner in the sense that he's not inspired. He's not telling you the truth. He's a liar. Uh, You got to trust him on that. All right. So uh, we we hit this one last week. We're going to hit it again in total here today. For the sake of confessing Christ, we do not defend the existence of God any more than a man defends himself to the protestation of an ant, right? Our goal is not to go out and defend Christianity as as if it gets knocked over without us. Right? That's not the goal. Uh, the asserted reign of Jesus Christ in his public resurrection from the dead is all there need to be. We go out there to just be heralds. We are reflections. We are, we are like, what? Can you imagine like a, a beam of light that like flows from Jesus to every Christian in the world? Only nobody can see it, right? But it's there. He can see it. And wherever Christians go, they're leaving like that beam of light behind them, provided they talk with the Bible in their mouth a little bit. Right, uh, and and that is then declaring, asserting the reign of Jesus Christ wherever you are is true. He is then the banner, the confession of Christ is the banner. Peter is the one who was the little rock because he preached the banner. Jesus, he is the ensign, not his name only, but also his deeds. That's what he did. His crucifixion for us, of course. His resurrection, of course. Not only his life, but also his crucifixion. Well, I guess I just said that, didn't I? Uh, not mere words alone, but most certainly by the power of words. And so again, what's the real power here? What do we really have? And the question you have for yourself is, do you trust the power of God's word? This gets back to what Moises was asking about earlier today. Why am I doing what I'm doing as I'm doing it with the internet? It's a gamble. I trust the power of God's word. That's it. And, and I'm taking everything that Lutheran dogma has taught me about where I know that word is guaranteed to work. And I'm just saying, well, all right, that's it. And I might actually completely burn it all up. <laughs> it might all fail and fall, right? Uh, for all I know, I might wind up at the gates of hell. Uh, my arrogance could take me there. It's quite possible. But I'm not really here to defend me. I'm here because he's left me here because he's defended me. And so I'm not really here then to defend him or try to prove to anybody why I think I'm not going to hell. Uh, I'm here to simply state that he's risen, that the king has come, that it, it is a fact. And that anyone who's living without an awareness of that just got the story wrong. And you get into grace and works on the other side of this conversation, but this conversation starts the conversation on grace and works. Well, how does the king treat you when he judges you? That's a pretty important question. But until you know there's a king, I mean, that's where the battle we're fighting here, right? So you have to believe in the power of words to be true. That when you ask the question, is COVID true? There's a way to answer that question, yes or no. Is it true? Is it, is it true? <laughs> in what way? Yeah, you have to dig a little more. In what way is it true? Uh, conf- conflict avoidance. We're on page, uh, can I see there, page eight. Conflict avoidance is the definition of cowardice. This, uh, this, this chapter is written, so I'll read it. <laughs> uh, when the spirit of holy God, as it were, conflict is not allowed to fester in the shadows. Isn't that something? That's what the Bible says. And my experience as a young, immature Christian in America has been to hide in the shadows from the conflict. Not face it. Run away from it. And the problem is then the spirit is being squelched when you do that because the opportunity to forgive 
The opportunity to be hurt and not hurt back is being removed. You're avoiding it. You're avoiding forgiveness. You're avoiding your own repentance. So it's it's really a scary thing when a church body, a congregation, a family, etc., lets conflict fester in the shadows. It, it is like gangrene. It does not go away. Uh, it gets worse. Uh, the path of Jesus is reconciliation, right? So the way that Jesus would have the church grow is by bringing together people who ought not be together, who deserve not to be together. Reconciliation is like we don't deserve each other. We hate each other, right? And yet we do not now. We have been reconciled. We're not just consiled. We're reconciled. We're brought back together. Uh, that's Jesus doing that to us for God first, so that his entire life is that. His entire religion is that. So now your entire life is reconciliation. So if you're going to hide in the shadows from conflict, then you are missing what Jesus is saying about who you are to you. And this isn't like, oh no, you're in trouble. It's like, are you starving yet? How hungry are you? You got to be hungry by now. Because a conscience is set free in Christ's body and blood. And so that outpouring cannot idly, this is like poetry, it's too snippy, uh, cannot long bide idly by. <laughs> Tongue twister. That's so bad. I was so proud of that when I wrote it. What a, what a jerk. All right, but the, the point's a good point. Right, so the conscience set free in Christ's blood, in his bloody outpouring, cannot long bide idly by. You can't just kind of stick around and wait while the sun burns and another generation of Western Christianity watches the West fade into the white noise sea. Like, if you really are a Christian right now, you're bothered by what's going on. Like, you straight up just have to be. However you look at it, like, something's messed up. <laughs> right? Was it, did we miss a point? A turn somewhere is wrong? Right? So, like, like righteous rot, Lot living in Sodom and Gomorrah. I mean, I don't know how he was righteous. I'm not going to pretend. But uh, I'm going to say that, like, I can, I can empathize at a certain point. He must have been like, what is going on? Right? Now, the question is, did he repent? Right? Well, uh, God sent those to preach to him, right? So telling the truth is both a duty and a virtue. So for Christians, we don't get to not tell the truth. We get to, don't get to say there is no truth or I won't come down on what I think the truth is. And especially when the scriptures say this is the truth, we don't get to avoid that. We don't get to not say it when it's offensive. We simply have to speak it. And if we don't, we actually lose our virtue the moment we stay silent. We lose our ability to be the voice of God. And this is a great game, actually. So this shouldn't be something you feel scared of. That's the point of that line. This is something to encourage you. Like you have an open world game, like completely laid at your feet in which the path is set for you in such a way that according to the promises of God in your baptism, you cannot end up at the gates of hell. Take a gamble on that one. Have some fun with that, right? Like, like enjoy it in the love of your neighbor and believe that that's possible and go try. Why not? Make sure you're connected to Word and Sacrament Church. Otherwise you'll have no food, right? But, but it's a great game. And it's also a spiritual war. So while it's a great game, it's terrifying. I mean, it's a great horror game is what this is. Powers and principalities of darkness, a present age that is a Babylonian captivity nightmare of the mind, like unto all the worst dystopian sci-fi movies you ever saw, and then, then some because it's got a demon behind the whole thing. Like, all right, all right, it's a great game. It's a spiritual warfare. It's a real deal. It's a war of mind-killing, an ordeal of shame-letting, a heaven at the foot of a cross. So... 
Now, when, when Jesus calls you, follow me, he bids you come and die, to mortify your flesh, to die and rise. Unless a seed falls to the earth and dies, it can bear no fruit. So what does God do with his word? He kills you first. He just destroys what you thought was true. And then through that wound, he lets all your shame, the pussy shame, just flow out. It bleeds out with him. And you find this paradise at the foot of a cross, a, a God crucified who is... Mm, more for you uh, than any other uh, material being there might be. So then I guess you should start thinking about this, yeah? Uh, Decide that you are finished being a quietist Christian. I had someone on Twitter today accuse me of quietist Christianity. I'm like, "Are are you... You don't even know who I am, I don't think, anymore. You might have once, but you have no idea. Uh, decide, decide you're finished settling for a lukewarm version of your religion. Like, really? Like, and, and don't be like, oh, that's pietism. Uh, sure, I, whatever is pietism. What it is is, like, the supermarket's gotten you soft when it comes to how you think about your religion. So just take your religion back. You can still shop at the supermarket. Go get your, your you know, whatever, right? Um, but, like, think about your religion as yours, Decide is yours now. Believe what you already know to be true for everything's worth and bank on it. Take a few gambles on what you know God has said in his word. Trust it. Emblazon it on your conscience so that living in the safety of the shadows, this is for suckers. This is for suckers. To be pitied above all people are those who have hope only for this life in Christianity. To be pitied. Pitied. Hiding in the shadows is for suckers. It is the complete fool who does not know his own God's words, yet supposes he shall convert others to follow as well. Oh, that's a hard one right there. Decide that the heritage of, immor- of immortal glory, the fact that adopted into the bloodline of Jesus you now cannot die, is worth immeasurably more than the potted meat of clinging to and fearing this life storms and calms. Don't you want to do that? I know you want to do that. The Christian heart is inspired to do that, even though we know we're going to fail. We're inspired anyway, because when we stand on grace and we're not going to be worried about the failure, we're going to get up again and see the same Christ saying, yep, it's like, here we go. Here we go. You cannot die. Confess and do not deny, but confess that grace is a free gift. The receiving of which is also the giving of it all away again. One cannot be a Christian and not imitate Christ. One cannot imitate Christ without speaking about Christ. This book's kind of good. Who wrote this thing? I mean, it, was, it kind of came to me in a dream, you know. Not, not exactly, but um, <laughs> are they all white? Nope, they're just fragile. They're fragile, fragile. We're gonna come back here like this for just a moment because let's see here. Now we want to go here. There it goes. We got more questions and comments from you uh, before, besides just talking about my book, uh, talk them into it, which you can buy on Amazon now. I've been tracking. Oh, hold on, hold on. You ever have that moment where you're like, you're not sure what happened. You kind of feel like you lost your mind. Like, wait, 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 wait. Okay, I know where I was going, but I forgot. You ever do that on live TV? I do it every week. It's kind of weird. <laughs> it's overwhelming. In fact, let me say, enough of talking them into it. Not because um, I don't think we could just spend all day on this. I want to go at it slowly. The point of this book, if you pick it up and you really should, it is available on Amazon. It's also available for free. So if you subscribe to the news magazine, Mad Mondays, uh, you can do that at redfist.com slash newsletter. Uh, if you sign up there, you'll get a free PDF, uh, ebook copy, whatever copy kind you want. It's available. Uh, you can also buy it on your Kindle if you want. That just throws some money at me if you really like that. But then again, it's available uh, uh, to, to read devotionally. The reason I think the paperback is actually worth getting is because the way those pages are set up, they're meant to be come back to again and again, right, over time. And to slowly let this convince you, like, isn't it enough for today that you've decided you're not going to let your religion be a hobby anymore? Like, isn't that enough? Do you need more book? <laughs> right? or just, my religion's not a hobby. 
Every time I get the feeling that my religion is secondary to my life, that my life wants an answer that my religion doesn't impact, that politics aren't affected by religion. Like every time the world says that, blah, 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 I'm be like, no, it's, that's just the biggest lie ever. Don't lie to me. Politics is not affected by religion. Whether or not I'm a liar is not affected by whether or not I believe in lying, I promise. I swear. Hmm. Hmm. I'm going to go back to this for a second now. Hold on. We'll do this. Ah, ah, ah. Yep, that's right. Where'd you go? Just for fun, here you go. This will be in the sermon tomorrow, uh, the longer sermon that comes at the 1030 service at St. Paul. We're going through, talk them into it as bullet points, and we're going through broken as bullet points. Uh, you have to wait for the broken ones tomorrow. But uh, talk them into it, rule number three, is to know that the world doesn't listen. And if you want to go deeper on that idea, which was more from like last week's show a little bit, the place to go, I think, is Proverbs 1, verses 8 to 33, focusing on uh, 8 to 19 especially, but 8 to 33 is the first mashallah. the first kind of hymn or section or, or song. They're all, I think, not everyone agrees with this, but I'm pretty sure all the mashallahs are separated by a reference to the sun. Uh, and if you do that, the sun, like my son, listen to me, that kind of thing. Uh, there are 12, if you count the Proverbs of Solomon as the 12th, which is kind of interesting. Um, in any case, in this first mashal, uh, you have 8 to 33, but then 8 to 19 really focuses in on a second idea. I'm assuming a first idea. Uh, and, the, and the 20 to 33 is a second idea. Uh, the 8 to 19 is that liars exist and that their way is deceiving. It's just a summary of it, right? Liars exist, their way is deceiving. Well, the world never listens. Well, maybe it's listening and just doesn't believe you. <laughs> right? Liars exist in their ways deceiving. But now 20 to 33, it moves on to talk about wisdom. What, what does wisdom say when wisdom speaks? And of course, in Proverbs 8, it's a female because that's how the Hebrew uh, gender of the verb works or the, of the noun works, which doesn't really have a lot necessarily to do with uh, feminine masculine, although Solomon certainly plays on that in this. But uh, now that Jesus has come and become incarnate wisdom in the flesh, I'm pretty sure we can call him king instead of queen. So that's the point here. Jesus says this, but it's, he is wisdom. Here's wisdom's real divine call. Uh, verses 22 to 23 say, you know, how long are you not going to listen? Are you not going to listen? You should listen. And 24 to 32 say, uh, because you do not listen, I will send bad stuff. So that, that's kind of the reality that when you don't listen to what God says on any level, he's like, there's gravity. You're like, no, there's not. Right? <laughs> uh, you know, if, if he said as much, uh, the nature says that, it preaches it to you. Like, no, there's not. I can, just, I can just avoid it. Well, you know, bad stuff might happen to you. And it's kind of the way it works out. And this goes for moral stuff too. So if you, just like you reject physical laws, bad stuff happens. You reject moral laws, bad stuff happens. We're watching that right now. Right? Oh, but, 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 verse 33, you can, you can, you can avoid it, the bad stuff, by listening. Oh, and then doesn't Jesus say it? Akalufe. Moy, um, follow me, follow me. Um, zoom in on verse 28, 29. Really, if you want to get the heart of the entire thing and do it in reverse order, 29 first, then 28. Take that as your homework assignment, smart uh, homework assignment, smart note it as talk them into it. Point number three, just these two verses, right? Don't do anything else I just said. Just now go into those two verses, smart note it into your talk number three note, whatever you've taken from there. And I bet you find something that you, well, you will be blessed by what you find. That's what I think. All right, so that's not the right one. That's the right one. Now, if only I had a mouse. No, I don't want to own a mouse, my love. Please do not buy us a mouse. I'm talking about... <laughs> I love my wife. I'm talking about the one that would let me do this. Here we go. We have a rabbit. 
You know that? So, uh, super chat from last week that we missed. There's been a couple this week. I'll try to throw them in right now, probably. Uh, uh, thank you for your super chats, by the way. If you want to support the show, Patreon's the best way to do that. Uh, it, they take a cut just like YouTube does. So, that's what it is. But at the same time, it's a way that it's tied to a regular giving spectrum. So, I can I can basically uh, plan on that money, more or less. We've seen a regular small growth. So, I don't expect to lose money anytime soon unless, you know, I don't know, the internet turns off. Uh, so, the point is, I'm building the entire industry of Mad Christianity and our next level of creating an online network for you to gather together, both as men and women in Christ and then also the men's organization. I'll talk about that in a little bit. And all of that comes out of, at, at this point, you pay me enough to me keep going, right? And Patreon's the way that that happens. But Super Chats are great too, whenever you want to throw them my way, and I don't mind uh, trying to, to draw that question out. If not this week, then in a following show, it'll show up like right now. So Jedi Knight Anakin Cringewalker, who is has, is unafraid of, of using the Force for his Super Chats. There's no question. Uh, and I appreciate it very much. Um, he says, I've got a suspicion that in the same way the U.S. church has gradually accepted gay marriage, uh, pedophilia, probably not meant to have a space there, is next. As this would be like uh, sex with children. I don't know how to say it. It's what it is. Uh, we could always tolerate the former, but the latter is intolerable. Well, and hmm. hmm. that it. I mean, I don't know. Like... The question is not what you can tolerate. The question is what the civilization can tolerate as a ordered structure that God has made before God's own self-destruct button kicks in. <laughs> How did Nazi Germany go down? Oh, is the, the glory of the USA and Russia. You sure about that? <laughs> now, maybe, maybe all of that history is because the, they were self-destructing anyway. Because when you do that as a nation, that's what happened. And if you ever played Risk, you know. <laughs> go go play, uh, now, what was that one? It's um, Axis and Allies, for sure you know. Oh, yeah, that was dumb. They shouldn't have done it. No, that was really dumb. <laughs> it just says you can't win that war. And to expect that reality, right, um, to expect that the madness of white noise and matrix shifting drug-impelling, word piracy, deconstruction. They're taking your words, they're changing them so they're not your words anymore, then they use them against you. And then they don't tell you they're lying and doing this. It's called gaslighting. And you go, they're irrational, they're crazy. No, they're using you. They're lying, okay? Not both sides, sorry. If you're arguing in slogans, both sides. Huh? Uh, so um, are we capable as a society to exist without total barbarian warlord city-state collapse while maintaining safety for this kind of behavior, right? Would it spawn war in the streets? At least gates in the streets, right? Um, would, it, would it turn towns into places that have more laws to protect themselves from, say, the state? Um, I think that's... Well, somehow, some way, it's not so far off. But but I I'm, I hesitate to, to really say on this one because, like, again, it was only five years ago that I was being told in you know Christian school classrooms that I was I was talking nonsense for saying it would go this far. <laughs> so I wasn't even that far off. It was like took two years. I thought it'd be twenty. <laughs> so so I'm really not. I'm probably not your best uh, projector on this. But I, I'm, what I just said about like thinking about your local town as needing to pass laws so that you protect yourself from your state and your federal government. Like, 
Yeah, that might be a thing, right? <laughs> like that, and that would be kind of the beauty of this country in theory, at least. Um, and in that way, you know, having laws that uh, protect your community, homeowners association, whatever it is from, say, sex offenders who move in. I mean, are, are you aware that California did just pass laws that involve not having to let people know a sex offender has moved into the area, which while I get how people who have really bad sex offender records have trouble getting jobs, I, I understand that. It's because they also have trouble not doing what they do because it's an addictive habit. And it's like, you know, putting someone in the context of a drug that they are super addicted to. Right. So like there's reasons for these laws. There's reason why rape laws used to be there. And you know, it used to be you died if you committed rape. Now that's not the case anymore. That's a strange thing for feminists to do. So you like like you have this really weird, again, spiral collapse of who knows what's going on. And this is where, at the very least, you have to begin to question the super narrative, the meta narrative. What's the main story driving America? It's a big factor. That lie, whatever it is, and I'll wear the flag all day long and I'll fight for us, but I'm not going to pretend the mythology is true. <laughs> I'm going to believe the truth about Jesus. And then I'm going to understand America is probably the best country to come around to be a Christian in because you're free to do so. Because frankly, if we wanted to, we could really influence the place. We're just too lazy trying to stock up storages in our barns for ourselves now. So we lost it all. We, we, we had less kids, stored more stuff for ourselves, lived wholly great lives, and now it's all collapsing. And well, here we are. Right, here we are. Now, I'm going to tell you that what I know about this is true, that when you build on sand, it falls down. When you build on a straw, it burns up. That's just what happens. And it can be long, it can be short, but it always comes home to roost. And this always comes home to roost, too, that the righteous, the justified, those who are in Christ, those who are baptized into his name, those who believe he's risen from the dead, those who will say, I believe he's risen from the dead. He is the Christ, the Son of God, as Peter said. Whatever happens to those people and their families and whatever cataclysmic collapses occur around them via nature or via the community that they live in, and even should their dearest beloved turn around and become a pillar of salt, (laughs) and even if they should get up and fail in the future to do the right thing, the promises of God will not fail on their account. And so if you would just maybe learn a lesson from, uh, from Lot, hear the angel when the angel talks. It's okay to leave Dodge if Dodge is a mindset. (laughs) You hear me? And then, in the end, if we find that through this path, this journey God has given you to your own death, let's say your spouse or your child dies before you in the faith, will you only grieve as those who have no hope? (laughs) Will you see them as martyrs for the cause? And that it's just they get to go home a little sooner than you do. I'm not talking about throwing birthday parties and all that crap. No, no, no. I'm just I, I'm gonna mourn, weep, and wail because it's gonna hurt like a dickens if that ever happens. I believe it. But I'm gonna mourn, weep, and wail as a man who knows I'm just not there yet. <laughs> and so I have to endure the pain of losing them early by remembering the certainty of seeing them soon. And that that's why we fight. That's why we get up. And so that whatever happens to the Christian community through the civilizational collapses around them, if you are the people of the land left behind by Babylon called the Samaritans, some of you, some of you will be that 7,000 who have not bowed the knee. Some of you will be that woman who meets Jesus at the well and believes what he says to her, tells others about it, right? So we just have to always believe that no matter what happens to us physically, the nugget, 
the seed. I mean, it's the worst part of the Star Wars franchise when they kill the entire rebellion down to, like, what, six people to start over? But the thing is, eight in a boat, ah, it worked, right? So, like, like we have no reason to despair, because we believe that if we can still take another breath, better than just saying good, oh good, is more like, oh yeah, <laughs> I got another opportunity to not let this world deceive me so that one more out there whom God has chosen, we'll just hear it. We'll just hear it. I don't, I don't get to choose that time and place. I don't get to say when that is. A very kind compliment from a friend this week, a friend who I don't always agree with. I actually greatly disagree with sometimes. And in our world, that's like, well, then why is he your friend, right? Like, that's like how our world works, which is pretty messed up. Um, but he, t- he told me something, um, and maybe he was just being kind, but he, he said something I'd said to him. It had such an uh, unexpected and amazing impact on his life. It really kind of did push his life in a certain direction. And it wasn't something I was necessarily trying to be like, you know, to do that, right? I was just trying to like hear him and, and respond, right? Oh, you know, here's my friend. He's, he's thinking through stuff like, I, you know, oh, okay. You know, and that's how it works. Like the more you think you're going to pinpoint and target the conversion of people by the Holy Spirit, uh, I think the less you're going to have anybody convert <laughs> because the Spirit's not going to, I mean, he's going to elect who he elects. He'll use you how he use you. You mean it for evil. He'll got to use it for good. So I guess it could happen, but like, that's not a good game plan, right? Uh, you want you want the game plan that trusts in what God has said will actually work. Um, no. So in this, you know, Wherever you are, you should be watching for what is going to happen next where you are. And that will largely be a local reality, although it is possible in the next year we see a national shift that we don't get out of. I'm not going to say I don't think that's possible. I think it's quite possible. My guess is it'll feel a lot more like Britain 30 years ago for 30 years than much else until it feels like Britain today, if that's what happens. That, that would be my guess. And I'm going to say a Trump vote slows that down, but probably doesn't stop it. Uh, a Trump vote, I think, retains the American economic engine for maybe another 50 years. That's the kind of work he's doing. Um, he's doing a lot of other good work, too, I think. But, you know, if you're, if you're looking for, like, the non-pro-life vote and you want to think like the civilizational reality vote, like Democrats, if you take over now, it will, in fact, collapse before we get back in charge again, probably. But if you give us four more years, you can keep ruining stuff for maybe another 50 and we'll be okay. Like, that's my pitch, Democrats. <laughs> like, I know you're never going to give up. And it's not because you're a Democrat. I'm sorry. It has nothing to do with that. There are Democrats who really mean well and have great ideas. But the radical side of that party right now is never going to give up on what they're doing. They are an irrational cause. An irrational cause is just eat all other causes. So until you as the Democrats call that part of your party out and kick them out, you're just going to keep being them. Uh, and, and in that regard, I, I, you know, I have to say you're going to destroy the country on accident. <laughs> Completely an accident. So I went to this meeting again this week. Community, Rockford PD, local mayor, Democratic-run realities all the way top to bottom. And I think I had on my on my question-answer thing. After, the, after they tell us all the things they're doing, because in the past people have said you should do this for the kids and for the community because we don't trust you. And they shared all that. People said, well, can we have like three more of those things? And, and it doesn't really matter. Like my idea is this, but basically what I want is I want you to hire one more person to be between you and somebody else and get paid to watch you. But I don't know who's going to watch them or who's going to be over them or where the money's going from. We got money somewhere. Um, so let's raise some taxes and stuff. Without, no, don't raise taxes though. We're poor. Help us, but find some money from somewhere. Uh, pay some more people to do some more stuff somewhere. You know what will happen is more of the same programs. The, the whole tenor of the night was 
There are no liars in the world, but we're afraid of you and you're afraid of us because you're liars. But no, there are no liars in the world and we're all friends. There's no such thing as a need for a sword. There are no bad men. But we can't seem to figure out why our civilization's so violent. Right? It's the strangest thing to watch. Because it's just the same question over and over again. Well, we'll just add more bureaucracy. We'll have a few more programs. We'll tax you some more. Is that what any of those people really need? No, it's not what any of those people really need. But what's what they've been told they need? What we need is, frankly, police who do less, who, who just police. Like they should not be not, not seen until they're seen. And then, well, you should be afraid because, well, that's why they're seen now. Right? I mean, I don't know. I don't want secret police either. I'm all for like yellow stripes on the car and all that stuff. But like, um, the thing is, if, if you don't want the sword of the law to, to put a little fear in your heart, I think you're kind of godless. Like you should be afraid when the cops are like, oh, where's my conscience? Am I okay? Like, it doesn't matter what your skin color is. I get scared every single time. Every single time. Am I a coward? Yeah, I am. So, so there's that. But, but, <laughs> you know, it's, it's just like, uh, I'm still off. Jedi, Jedi, you sent me so far off on this, but it's so difficult. What's coming next? I don't know. Pedophilia is already here. Sex trafficking is already here. There's, an, there's a magical island for wealthy people who are so wealthy they don't even like speak the same language as you and me where they have children flown in to have sex with sometimes. And the guy you know, committed suicide by himself in high security prison alone I mean, so that we couldn't come out what he was doing and, and all this stuff. You know, it's already here. It's already here. And if you turn off the white noise that tells you it's not here, and just listen locally. You'll find how much is local. In fact, at that same meeting, City of Rockford, God bless them, said, we are working to fight sex trafficking that moves through Rockford. Sex slavery moving through Rockford. They're on it. God bless them. Don't hear what I said tonight in any way as a complaint. Um, Discord update. It's about two weeks away. Two to three weeks away until the Discord unifying factor for us the chill is there. Just hang tight. Um, it's all about having the right people in the right spots on the bus at the right time. Uh, what's up? Uh, one fast and two. Uh, he's from another planet, it seems. First... <laughs> First time making it to SMC Live. Great, dude. Um, uh, thanks for your work, Rev. I'm an audio-only listener and patron supporter. Thank you again. Uh, thanks to the podcast editor. That's that's uh, Yanabe. Uh, uh, Yamabe. Excuse me, I said Yanabe. Brian Yamabe. And then, you know, why am I saying Yanabe? That's like a cultural thing. So I'm curious, Brian, now to the etymology of your name, um, if you care to share any time, I would love to know it. Uh, let's see. We're coming back up to try to find the remaining Super Chats from the morning. If there were any that I can grab, I just went past one right there. Oh, Cringe Walker is back again. He says this. Ah, oh, coffee. Idea. Critical race theory is indulgences. Yeah, kind of. The Cathedral of Man declares your sin of flesh, sells you an indulgence in the form of training courses. Yeah, but only for a certain class of people, right? It's like a new, it's a new slavery. They're putting in place a new slavery through a tax code. It really is. We're all already slaves to the American government in the tax code. So you just got to know, you're serf. You're bonded serf to the American government. It, we all have been ever since we put it into place. This was not how the country was developed. It's what the country is now. So to, to argue otherwise, it's just kind of nonsense, right? And this is the thing. So much of our national dialogue pretends that we have the Constitution that we do when we don't. <laughs> and in terms of practice, we are definitely run by a deeper state than what is on that piece of paper, right? And the development of that deeper state and the amount of money that goes through everything from the Pentagon, you know, around the world and otherwise, uh, yeah, um, if it declares a certain category of people to be more deserving of tax than others uh, by virtue of, say, their heritage, their ethnicity, or otherwise, really, it's a form of, it's a form of indentured 
servitude, what the ancient world would call slavery. Now, we're all up on the word slavery, but intention servitude is everywhere. And we think we're so better. The big thing you can do is you can maybe run away from it. And they can't quite come and take stuff away without you getting the police and the lawyers involved to help you defend it. That's kind of the big thing we have now. So it used to be they just come and take it. I mean, sometimes they still do. The FBI, you know. But, but, but I don't know. I haven't had it happen to me. I'm waiting for it, though. I, that'd be fun. What I would like to do is make sure I get a selfie. <laughs> I don't think it'll happen. But, but the, the point is really, um, yeah, the whole thing's religious. The whole thing is a, it's an attempt to justify our civilization with a scapegoat, right? Every justification needs to atone. And since they declare there's no such thing as forgiveness, and they seem to be wanting to atone via violence, uh, you know, stealing, uh, well then, that atonement, if you can pay for it, right, would be indulgences. If the only answer to atone for us, for our evil as white people, is that those who are not white, whatever that means, tear down the cities and we rebuild again from the bottom. But if we can pay you to not do that now, it is literally, it's an indulgence, like the definition of indulgence. You might get out of purgatory, like we can get get through this faster. It's exactly what it is. So I don't know that anyone thinks it's religious as they're doing it, but the fact is there's there's no thinking that's not religious. The idea that the two kingdoms, heaven help us, the idea that God's right hand and God's left hand are not actually earth, there's some different things, right? That's nonsense. Uh, you know, you're saying you're sinner. They're not different things. They're you. Uh, and so that, that fused reality that now, not yet, there's some paradox involved in that. Uh, but, you know, you don't let it make you silent in the present for fear that somehow you're in the wrong kingdom. There's a point there. Um, because you are supposed to speak in these times. You're supposed to uh, give voice to what you believe. Hercule Flambeau says, uh, $5 with the super chat. Can you post what your quote is about? He won't be long now. You cannot die now. Thanks for what you're doing. Yeah, sure. It's time to find this in Roman. Is that RCC Roman Catholic church? <laughs> you think? <laughs> That's great. I'm sure you could. Um, so check it out. Check it out. First, it's about my book. Your question. Where is that quote from? It's from my book. And it's, um, it's free. Again, sign up for the newsletter at riffus.com slash newsletter, and you will get it for free. And, the quote is from, and I'm going to have to find the page. I don't have it marked yet. Uh, there it is. On page 145, you have a nice little bullet pointed list of sort of like in your first conversation with someone about Christianity, if you get this far, like you're rocking it. <laughs> right. Uh, and, and so those, those uh, phrases that you asked about are right in there. It's not really showing up on the camera. I don't want to switch screens, but you know, you are paid for, you cannot die now. He won't be long anyway. There is water to seal this. There is food to feed this. This is Christianity and the one that I left out of the book, um, join us. Uh, what do I mean by all of that? Well, the, the point of the book is to tell you that, right? So go get the free copy and read it, please. But you know, in short, uh, no, I lost it. Where'd it go? Uh, in short, uh, let's take them in two, two parts. You cannot die now. Well, the fact is that if you are in Jesus and Jesus is risen from the dead and you're in him now and you're one with him as he's promised, which is what, say, baptism is that promise, the Lord's Supper is that promise. Frankly, you know, all who believe, uh, who know that he's risen from the dead, that's the promise too. So you're just hearing it and being like, ah, Jesus is my savior. Like that's, that's believing the promise, right? So anybody who is in any way brought into the body of Christ through that inspiration of faith that comes by the word of God promising them that Jesus is sufficient for them and they believe it, they then can't die. Now, can their body die? So far as we see, yes, although that's more like a, 
that's more like a hard reset than than like an actual stoppage, right? Uh, so so the Lord's like, okay, need some new hardware. We're gonna hold on to the software, do an upgrade, shove it back in. That's the resurrection of the dead. That's the he won't be long now part, right? So the the faith that you have been given to believe that you cannot die now will be experienced in the moment of death when you don't die and are you're you're with Christ. And if that happens before he returns, it'll be pretty sweet because you actually still be in the body at that point too. It's just gonna be upgraded to you know humanity awesome point oh and. and that's what I mean. There it is, right? So, so you're a Christian because he's risen. And his resurrection means that his crucifixion for you, his atonement, paid for you. Right? That's two. So he is risen, and that means you are paid for. And because you are paid for and he is risen, you cannot die now. And even your experience of death is but a mirage, effectively. Uh, and it is, you know, he won't be long now anyway. So like, you might as well risk it a little bit because even if you do die, like, it could be over like this afternoon or in a few minutes, right? So, so what are you doing hoarding and fearing this life. That's what it comes back to. Because after everything I just said, are you still afraid of COVID? <laughs> is it true? Let's say it is. It's so true, you go outside, you might die today. Should you stay home? How bad do you want to stay here? What's so great about this place? I mean, I got my kids. I'd like to, I'd like to have my kids outlive me. I'm selfish. <laughs> and uh, uh, but but at the same time, like I don't know, a life lived in fear is not a life worth holding on to much, really, right? And the fact of Christianity is that it, you just you just don't have to be afraid. Uh, you're going to be afraid. You have to give into it. All right, we got a bunch of other questions. We only got a few minutes left, and look at how long this is. Oh my goodness, James! James says. Community kids, I've been struggling with a practice at my LCMS church for a while. They did not communicate to anyone who does not complete their catechism class, just as a class, right? And so it's like it's more about the class than it is about the knowledge of the catechism. I think that's the implication here. Um, I understand this is normal for many LCMS churches. Yes, it is. Uh, but after many months of studying scripture, various arguments on the issue, I cannot see a biblical justification for denying the sacrament to a child who is ready prior to completing the class. Well, first, have you talked to your pastor? Second, has your child talked to your pastor? Has your child gone up and said, hey, pastor, why won't you commune me? <laughs> Please commune me and just have your child do that all the time. And have your child cry. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, right? Does he want the supper? Or is it you trying to get him to have the supper? I don't think on it. Um, uh, da, 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 da. But I, you're not wrong to teach your child to want the supper. That's, that's good. If we affirm there is a benefit in receiving the sacrament, we do, if the child wants the sacrament, uh, then there ought to be a valid justification in denying to someone and just, I don't see it. Well, yeah, you're right. If it's just about a class, it seems to be a man-made objective. However, sometimes man-made objectives have good purposes, such as the class is there so that everyone who would come in believes generally the same thing about what's going on. Now, could that be achieved in other ways? Yes, but that will require outside-the-box thinking, right, as opposed to this is the way it's always been done thinking. And LCMS churches, just, we're not good at that. We're not trained to do that. And there's something really strong about that. It's it's sort of a, a little bit of an inoculation against winds of change moving us too fast. Now, we are not very good at that, actually, the last 40 years. We've been preparing ourselves to get knocked over in a lot of ways. But all that's saying like, is, like, like, don't be so fast on being upset that they have something in place to make sure that when you come to the supper, you know what you're doing. Even if it's ineffective, even if it's out of date, even if it's not what it was, that boundary marker, that wall is a wise wall, right? I get, your, I get what you want. I, I get your feeling here, right? But don't let the internet... And theology on the internet about the supper, which is true, blind you to the reality that the supper is not a necessity for faith. I wrote a book about how it's a necessity for the church to have it, right? That's this one, without flesh, right? The church dies without it, and you will die without it eventually. Probably. But then again, no, it's not 
necessary in the sense that your faith can be fed by the word. Is there something supernatural that we should be getting together from this, especially as we come together? Yeah, absolutely. There's something going on behind it. That's why we shouldn't see meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But again, um, the path here is one of grace, not of anger, right? Uh, as a father of two daughters, uh, one of whom clearly understands communion and desires to receive it, I'm becoming increasingly frustrated. Most churches in our area are Baptist, Pentecostal. I have no intention of taking them there. My conscience is burdened more every week that she is denied it. Well, I mean, again, as she approached the pastor herself, Hey, pastor, can I talk to you? My conscience is vexed. I hunger for the supper. I believe the catechism is true. I'm starving. Please feed me. And then cry. I don't want to manipulate it, but like you should at that point, right? You're like, you're sad. Like if if you're going to cry, go ahead because it's right to be sad. And then let the pastor be her pastor. I mean, I hope, right? And like that question I gave or an answer to earlier, at a certain point, if the pastor just refuses to be a pastor, that's a different thing. I have no idea if that's the case with you guys. Right? Please, whoever James' pastor is, I don't know you from Adam. I'm trying to defend you. We should talk to your people, right? So, so if, if you don't, uh, I can't defend you anymore. And, and if you don't listen to them at all, I can't defend you anymore. All I can say is, like, if the pastor hears your concern, your concern is a biblical concern, there are other churches that teach what that biblical concern is, well, then you have your answer. And if, the answer, and if you're like, but I don't live somewhere where there's a church like that, it's like, well— you're going to sit here and you want the church to change for you. I mean, again, it's hard truth in hard times. James, I really appreciate it. Please understand it's not a poor parent trying to prove how special my child is good. I'm glad. You really just want your kid to get the food. I get it. I simply want what is good and best for them. So here's my recommendation. Okay? Where's the nearest church that will commune your child? I mean, I'd say talk to your pastor first. And then I would say, you know, your LCMS, like how far do you got to go? An hour and a half? Go every month. Just go once a month. Get the supper together as a family. It'll stop vexing you. Drive three hours for that. Make it a weekend. I mean, it's it's that simple, right? Why why do we not believe it when the Bible says flee false teaching? And if it really is false teaching, you should flee. If it's not false teaching, and the pastor will hear you, and the pastor wants to work toward this, and he needs your help, well, be his ally. right? And you got to discern that through a conversation. And the conversation really should be between the pastor and the person who wants to commune. Really. Otherwise, I mean, is it, is it her? And if it is her, it's like, well, be brave, daughter. Go confess your faith. And if the pastor is such a wolf that he sends her back without a positive answer to her faith, well, you, again, you have your answer, don't you? Prayer for that. Teach her how to stand. Teach your kid how to stand. Uh, please, understand. Yeah, yeah, I read the part, and which I do. So I gave you a couple options here. Don't do everything I said. Talk about what I said with someone you love, like your wife, who you trust, uh, your daughters, who you trust, and consider, ponder it, maybe watch it again, take some notes, decide to disagree with like three things I say and not do them no matter what, and then figure out what that is just so you can be sure that I'm wrong about something and don't do that thing. (laughs) I don't know. Take the pile and don't act alone. Get some wise counselors to work with you besides just me on this. Talk to your pastor one-on-one. If your pastor doesn't want to be a pastor, tell him, I'm concerned. You don't want to be my pastor. This is weird. What should I do? Ask him that. And if he's like, well, then maybe this isn't the place for you. (laughs) What do you need? Sign? (laughs) So I, you know, I don't know. Um, And uh, yeah, thanks for your comfort. Good. You're you're welcome. You're welcome, Markley. So where am I going to go? I'm going to go over here. No, I'm not. I'm going to go over. (laughs) Why do you guys watch? I don't know. Is it? 
Is it this one? Is this one? <laughs> I haven't heard the other ones, right? There's so many more. That was a long one off of the thing, but I'll do this one quick. Pastor Ohm has written a short PDF called Smart Noting Like a Superhero. He is based on the book by Sanka Aarons that I've recommended in the past, How to Take Smart Notes. Smart Notes is a way of noting that uh, I summarize it by saying you tee up your writing first, you take down your notes, and you go back to them later, and you translate, you elaborate, and you activate them. That is, you write them again in more clear words, shorter, cleaner. You add, if you need to, new ideas, and then you go and share those ideas where you can. Uh, the more you do that, pen to paper, pen to paper, I mean, it, it kind of works edit to edit on the screen, but not the same way. The magic is lost. Uh, on paper, that's what smart noting really is about at its root. And um, so... I may someday write a book on it. If I do, it'll probably be called I Can Make You, I Can Teach You to Be Smart or something silly like that. But Pastor almost got a free PDF you can get. We sent it out last week with Mad Mondays, I think, or we'll be sending it out this week. Uh, you can reach out to us. You can get it there. The link's on the screen. You have to type it in, unfortunately. Um, but uh, it's it'll give you the gist of how to gist uh, if you get my gist. <laughs> Uh, and all that. So uh, communing again, communing kids. Uh, we just did that one. So uh, let's go up here to the high-handed sin. Lucas, I think I was last week. I may save you for the back end here. Moses, we already did. Uh, Evangelical Catholic says this. Comment from YouTube. Hold on. I think one of the problems of being both a Lutheran and an American is that it is fully and thoroughly ingrained in our American ethos to view authority power in a chiefly negative light. That is correct. We are defined as a rejection of the fourth commandment by the Revolutionary War story and by the belief that kings are wrong by definition. Whereas the Bible teaches kings are right by definition, however, the divine right of king is exercised by wrong men by definition. <laughs> right? So, but, but Christ, the right man, is a monarch, a king, and his structure is the one that was built and shall be built. And America is sort of an attempt to say, like... I'm pretty sure the pagans are going to take over while we're waiting. So let's like protect ourselves. <laughs> uh, and, and it's not really, it was like a deistic thing. And then you got the whole progression toward a utopia that's connected to all this as well. But uh, at the end of the day, what we've tried to do is build a civilization without fathers from the ground up. And what we've built is a civilization without fathers on the ground level. Right. And, and that's what's happening. I don't know how to say it. So yeah. Until we repent and believe in the fourth commandment. It's not accidental. I'm trying to start a men's group. I got to talk about that still. It's not accidental. Like, like that's, if we don't fix that, we're done. We're dead, right? It's over. They, they already took it away as much as they possibly can. Either we stand up now as men again, and we're different than women, and that's just the way it is. Or, um, well, it'll be different. The distrust power and, uh, to distrust power and view the solution to abuse power in egalitarian models of authority, bottom up, yeah. See, the solution to abuse power, we usually think is to get rid of the power in some way, to make it so the power can't act, which is kind of silly. What we should do is make it so that you can stop the power from another direction. So let me just suggest, I'm going to put this out there. I've never written a paper or a book on it. I don't think I will, but I really do believe that this is true. I think that the real solution to monarchy is to make it that the only law the king cannot change is that it is legal to kill the king for any reason. And no one who succeeds in killing the king can be punished for it. Now, if you try and fail, that's different. But if you succeed, it's just straight up, you're the king. <laughs> and I think kings might respect the mob. Let's just say it that way. I don't know. What am I? I'm some dude, right? I, I, I'm a king. 
in the kingdom of God. I am a son of Jesus. I'm a priest praying for my nation. I'm an ambassador from another place. I don't know what's going on, but my house, I'm the father. And until we get that back in our corporate identity, that the father is the head of the house, his name is the name of the house, and that all who go forth from it, bear it forward in time and space as part of a great organic reality that is mankind. If we forget that. Well, Jesus doesn't mean much. Why would, why would you want a better man if man is not really that useful, right? So, yeah, it's, it's a big deal. This is, this is at the heart of our religion in some ways. I'm not saying you can't, you know, if you're a Lutheran, that, you know, you, you have to go vote against any democracies or what. No, 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 no. Slow, slow yourself down here. All I'm saying is that the system's built for monarchy, right? And now the system's bent all to heck and back, and we're just trying to keep the warlords away any way we can, right? But now we've done so by denying the existence of monarchy. And the problem is that the warlords don't care how much you say there's no monarchy. <laughs> They're going to make one. And if it means they've got to be a different kind of warlord, an, an information warlord, well, then that's what they're going to do. Uh, and, and to think that that's not the case and you're going to build a system that stops that is tomfoolery to the highest order. What we should do instead is believe that seek ye first the kingdom, right? That the system was Jesus instituted as the scriptures being spoken about, talked about, preached about, shared, referenced, all this kind of stuff turns into his own civilization that, based on the Ten Commandments, can't help but overcome and be better than those civilizations that are in the midst of rejecting the laws on which creation operates, right? So if you reject fatherhood, your system's going to fall apart. So what should Christians do right now? We should put all our beans on fatherhood. Like, I bet fatherhood. Whatever else you're betting is Jesus is risen and fatherhood. And we will be fine in 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 50 years. But if our men don't get back up, we will not be fine. And women, that means when men get up, stop telling them to sit down. That's been going on too long, ladies. We can talk about that another time. We're really bad about it. All right. So this doesn't work with Lutheranism. Our table of duties, fourth commandment, especially points out all authority is top down. Yep. God, uh, from God and is both uh, patriarchal and hierarchical. Yes, indeed. Two things we despise on principle. Yes, except in business, where it works. <laughs> uh, so, so you know, business is something that is also going to take over eventually. Uh, it, it works better than governments made up of people who argue, right? <laughs> so eventually, who's got the money and the power? I mean, just follow the money. Who? Uh, qui bono? Qui bono? Uh, qui bono? We Lutherans cannot resort to egalitarianism, already have in most cases, which is sad because it shows where we are. Um, when authority is abused, rather, we must learn to guard against abuse while seeing the proper use as godly right. So uh, the, the abuse does not negate the use. That's the old way. Uh, just because someone does something evil with a thing doesn't make the thing evil. Getting rid of all the guns from the good people just makes it so the bad people have guns and nobody else does. Right? It doesn't actually stop the gun from existing or the weapon from existing. People will find a weapon in some way, shape, or form to use. More important would be to teach people to be godly with the authority that they have because authority is given by God and you will be judged largely on how you handle that one. Like everything else that comes after that, like why are you killing that guy? Probably because it's impacting your authority in some way, right? And you don't like it. You want to stop. You want to have more authority. He's in your way. So the, why, why would you steal? All this stuff. It all flows out of the fourth commandment as they all then flow out of the first. Uh, my book Echo, which is behind me right here, uh, takes you through that with diagrams, pictures. It's really cool. Um, so you can check that out on Amazon anytime. Uh, so what, but what's the answer? Again, well, that's a, that's a nice segue. I want to go to this one. And let's see here. I'm not even confident that I can get to what I need to get to. But let's see if I can. Oh, I can. Look at this. All right, hold on. We're just going to give us five seconds and come right back.
Did I do it wrong again? No, it's right there. All right, so here's the thing. I mentioned word piracy earlier. That's what the uh, the, the sorry, that's what the postmodernists call deconstructionalism. Deconstructionalism is the idea that you take a word that doesn't mean something, you change its meaning, and you use it as if it means that, and you just keep doing it no matter what anybody else tells you, and eventually the meaning will change if you get enough people to believe you. It's being a word pirate. Right? You take the word, and, you know, get on the boat. It's my boat now. <laughs> And, and, and that's that's my plan forever is word piracy with the Bible. Uh, I'm going to take as many words and destroy their meaning pagan wise because uh, if if they beat themselves with this argument, which they do, <laughs> then we should beat them with it too <laughs> uh, and, and own that. So so here we go. Word piracy. What are we going to do? I'm still working on a lot of this, but I got the initial core. The initial core is coming together. Uh, we are going to form a Catholic Christian movement, the Lutheran local. Uh, Lutheran Layman's Local Action Network in Genesis, right, in Utero, uh, a, Catholic Christian, a Catholic Christian network, a group of Christians who are all Christians, a group of Catholic Christians, that is, we are all Christians. The point is, we hold to some very basic things that we can all agree on so that we can stand up together as men in America. Uh, Sons of Solomon is how we're going to start. Uh, why is that? Solomon is the one who teaches wisdom. Now, there will be layers to this organization. It's all going to be gamified. Uh, There'll be a handbook where you'll be able to, like, see all of it. Like, nothing's going to be so secret that the top secret, secret, secret layer is secret. It'll be very obvious who that is. But it'll have fun secret codes and things that everyone gets to know right away so we can feel like we're special. But the point is really none of that stuff. Um, I mocked it, didn't I? Uh, We're actually going to do some really cool stuff. uh, But it's going to be secret until you join. Uh... Uh, the Sons of Solomon are going to be pursuing a politically positive, patriarchy-promoting, progressively biblical, pro-life, pro-creation and environment, pro-my-neighbor's rights. That means life, liberty, assembly, speech, worship, property, self-defense, movement of fathers, where we believe the fourth commandment is the secret wisdom hidden in front of your face. We believe in the Father from whom all fathers are named. We believe Jesus is building this house. You should read Psalm 127. And if you like this idea, a men's network that crosses the nation, crosses boundaries with Catholic Christianity, led by Lutherans, because we know what we're doing when it comes to Catholic Christianity. Uh, if you would like to join that, please make sure you send an email to contact at refistacom slash contact because we have initial pilot groups launching this fall. If you want to start a group at your congregation, we'd love you to be part of this initial conversation. Uh, we've got several going already. Again, we have the initial core uh, uh, of pioneers growing. Let me tell you then. Oh, it's right there waiting for me. So what can you do right now? This. This. Start an Instagram account if you don't have one already. But um, do that. Uh, you don't have to do Instagram, but Instagram is the place we're going to attack first. And you're going to go and grab your Bible every morning. You're going to read Psalm 123. You're going to read Psalm 125. You're going to read Psalm 127. You can take a picture of it any way you want. If you got a crucifix, because you want to have a crucifix, because that's also part of being a Christian man in the Sons of Solomon. Oh, where'd it go? It's gone. SOS. Uh, Well, then take a picture of the crucifix with your Bible. Do it anywhere. It's really easy. Instagram makes it super easy. Post it and put hashtag 113487. Forget the dots. Take the dots out. 113487. I got to fix it because the dots don't work. But what does that mean? We'll tell you later. Uh, SOS, Sons of Solomon and Morning Psalms. Hashtag Morning Psalms. Post that. Tag me if you want. But the point is, let's get the whole world to take over SOS and Morning Psalms with praying and taking a picture of Morning Psalms 123, 125, 127. Now, if you really want to get on the Sons of Solomon bandwagon, you're going to pray those three psalms in the morning. At lunchtime, you're going to pray 124, 129. At evening, before bed, 130, 131. And if you can make it 
before dinner, 126, 128 there, your Vespers. I miss Vespers probably every other day, but I try to get it all in because, well, look, it says you shall call upon him. He shall answer you, right? Uh, this is the idea. The Ascension Psalms, the Psalms of Ascent are from the uh, Diaspora time in the history of Israel. That is after the uh, Babylon had destroyed Israel and they're waiting for Jeremiah's prophecies to come true, they go back to the land so the Messiah can be born there. These are the songs that were generally uh, developed and were sung, uh, sometimes connected to the sons of Korah. Uh, and they are the songs that then, from that point on, were sung as a group by those who were journeying back to Jerusalem for the Holy Days and Feast Days. So what you have is, the, is like the, the seasonal songs of Passover, right? Or the seasonal songs of, of tents. But the point here is not, Passover or tense, the point is you're dispersed. You're far away. Christianity is broken. It is shattered. We are sent to the far ends of the Babylonian captivity of this world. And we knew that. Peter tells us to you in the diaspora. It's right there at the front of 1 Peter. We know this is the symbol or the type that we're going to be in. To have an idea that one church body is going to hold us all together as an institution with money is nonsense, right? Sorry, Pope, you're wrong. But but so what can we do that will unify us? We can pray the, the same Psalms that they prayed while they were waiting for Jesus to come back as a man for the first time, right? And that's what this is. And here's my gambit, right? Join me. Do this. This year, one year, starting last week, every day, post as often as you can, 113487 and SOS and Morning Psalms, Sons of Solomon, right? And Morning Psalms. Post as often as you can on Instagram, share it cross-platform, and a year from now, we will look at this again and we'll ask, wow, what did that do to our lives? And my guess is we're just going to shift the Psalter maybe two or three Psalms in one direction. And we'll do it again. Uh, If you want to also add one more piece, since you're a son of Solomon, you might want to just open the Proverbs and read one proverb a day. Try smart noting that one. Translate it. Elaborate on it. Once a day. See if it doesn't rock your world. The first duty of a man is to hallow God's name by speaking it in holy prayer. And you wonder why the church is having so much trouble. Yeah. Are you ready for this? I think you are. The more I talk about the sons of Solomon, the more I hear everybody I talk about it to say, we need this. So, well, then start it where you are. I need a man in every congregation in the country <laughs> to start it off, right? And, well, it all is about this idea. We'll talk about this Pendragon principle later, but the main idea is understanding authority, like the question or the comment was asking earlier. And this is so key to know. All authority is given from above. There's no authority that is not given from above. Any authority you have comes from above. You. Somewhere, somehow. Is it your father to you? Is it your country to you? Is it God to you? It comes to you somehow. All authority is given to below itself as itself. So the authority that comes from above is an authority that does not cease to exist because it is dispersed. Rather, it grows by dispersing itself into the responsibilities of giving itself away, which is really kind of amazing. And even more so, all authority then is given for that reason. For below's benefit in spite of evil's appropriation unto tyranny. That is to say, the authority that's given to those who are above you, over you, is for your benefit. And the more they believe that, the more it will be for your benefit. And tyranny is when they don't believe that. So, Pendragon principle. Pendragon is just a man who knows he's a king and a priest, like every Christian. A Pendragon masters himself, a Pendragon masters his own, and a Pendragon needs not his own mastery, which is why which is why he can be either over or under in any vocational relationship according to authority, because he believes it's good and right and true. Do you want any more? There's a round table concept eventually, too. Let's just stick with this week. Sons of Solomon, rise. Start praying your psalms. Start putting it on Instagram, cross-posting Twitter. Tag me if you want. And uh, by all means, believe this. Uh, if you want to be part of starting a group in your area, these groups, by the way, okay, again, the first thing these groups are going to do is your goal is to get all the guys in your church who want to be part of this group to do what I just said, to read those Psalms together every day and take a picture 
I don't have to even take a picture. Just read them every day, right? You're on the internet. You're used to the internet. Take pictures. If your group wants to take pictures, take pictures. Come up with your own hashtag so that you're borrowing on our hashtag and you'll rise while we rise. I promise. You can create your own hashtag. And if this thing rises nationally, you'll rise with it and be able to use it for yourself. But you got to actually make it rise too, right? The more of us that do that, the better. Um, but start with, again, just Get men in the congregation. Sorry, ladies. You can do it too, but it doesn't matter as much as if all the men do it because that's the way we're built. This is the way creation is. You, God bless you, crowns of creation, have a different preaching task than men do. Uh, would Save that for another time. You're supposed to speak, right? Just, just not among the men being men. Like they're supposed to be men together, right? So, so blah, 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 blah. Men arise. Pick up your psalms, do your duty, be a household prayer, stand in the gap and the breach between the devil and your family and your land and your country and your president <laughs> uh, on behalf of your king. Stand and plead according to his words that he's given you. I promise you, you will not be disappointed. Add that one proverb a day and then stay tuned for more if that's all you can do at this moment because it's coming, guys. It's coming. The Lord has laid this path before us. We are going to be a movement. Make no mistake about it. Discord's all about that. We are going to be a movement. And this movement is going to jettison out of mad Christianity, the Sons of Solomon thing. And it's going to be bigger than mad Christianity is by the time it's done. And that's great because I'm not in charge of that one. That's going to go. And I'm going to do everything I can as the cons- as the counselor. Like I'm just going to be like the, the side prophet, right? Like the producer. But everything I can is say, here's how you don't turn into an institution so you destroy this thing too fast, right? How can we just keep networking through the future that comes with solid truth. Do we have to? Do we have to become an organization that owns property to do that? The church existed for 300 years without that, and we may be forced to it again. Might as well ask, you know, have a plan in place. Can't hurt to have men's groups going in every congregation in America that are focused on saying he is risen. Hey, I have a crucifix. Let's play, pray Psalm 127 together, right? It's just not going to go bad. It's not going to go wrong. This gets back to what I was saying earlier. Now, what am I doing on the internet? I am gambling on what I believe to be true. I am, I am betting on not black, as Wesley Snipes would say, although I, I'd bet it Wesley Snipes any day. <laughs> I'm betting on red. I'm betting on Jesus' word. God's word is our great heritage. It's a sure foundation. It, it simply cannot fail you. And it's the fact that you think it can that's kind of why it's going the way it's going. Because the fact is, Christianity is not going to make all those things going wrong, not go wrong, just magically today. But it can change the way you see it. I'm looking at my wife outside the window weeding. She's so kind. Uh, you can change the way you see it. What do I mean by that? I said it earlier today. I'll do it again. When the obstacle's in the way, you have a plan. You've prayed about it. You've committed it to God. You've, you've prayed the, the scriptures front to back toward this goal, and it's a holy goal. And you know it's what God wants for the world, and there's a big giant rock in the way of it. Well, who put that rock there? The devil did it. Okay. Does that mean God didn't do it? No. Right. And so that means God put it there too. You mean God let the devil put something in the way of my plans? Yes. <laughs> but they're plans for God. That's good. That's great. He seems to think they're not quite ready. How can I say that? Because there's a giant rock in the way of your plan. <laughs> right? And so clearly, God wants you at the very least to learn to take a breath and move a rock. 
Like, and, and like, that's not bad. That's good. That's the cross today. That's why you're going to trust him and not you. And all of life is always working this way. That shift in your mentality is not without effect. But if you're expecting to be like magical tomorrow, like, oh, I'm, I'm an optimist now. Like, it's just not going to do that. Look, I battle depression every day. My dark side is dark. The fears that I can create in my head in an instant. You think I'm impressive to listen to ever? You think I tell a good story? Imagine the one I don't have to use words for. It's all pictures and it goes start to finish in three seconds dystopic ending. Okay? I do that to myself all day long with endless... I mean, oh, for pity's sakes. The type of fantasies that show up as destruction scenarios in my life. It's still there. The despair is still there. The futility is still there. I read vanity is vanity, life is vanity, and I love it because it's so true because the futility is still there. And yet, there's another kingdom now, right? And there's another life, and nothing you lose in this life, which will be everything, will fail to be restored 100-fold in the next life. So you know you're going to lose everything already. You know we're getting all back in the next life, so what are you afraid of? And I know, I do it all the time. I'm afraid of all that. Okay, okay. So just at least take control of your inner discussion and talk back to yourself and be like, okay, you're afraid. But you don't have to be because Jesus has risen, because you are paid for, because that means you're immortal now. Why are you afraid? Well, I'd like to make it to my kid's birthday. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Is that really a reason to be afraid? No, okay, okay. It's just a kind of reason to like not do stupid things, right? So there's a difference, right? And I'm telling you, it's not an instant fix, but it is a cumulative build. You can drain it and get this too. There's holes in the bottom of your cup. <laughs> but the um the steadfast conviction that the word of God proves true increases the more word of God you put in your cup. And we're not talking like grace and salvation here. We're just talking about your conviction. Okay? How much you know it is going to result on how much it's going in. Right? And it's cumulative in that like, you cannot put it in for a while and it's going to kind of stay the same level except that it is leaking. So it's got a slow leak on your cumulative knowledge of who Jesus is. Right? And church assembling around the word is him saying like, you can't do this on your own because you're going to leak, so come get some more. Right? We're going to put it back in. Well, the more that that happens throughout your week, throughout your day, with all the tools you have now at the internet, you've had them for a while, but the biggest tool you have is a paper Bible and a paper and pen. You've had that forever. Best tool in the world. You start using that and you will find that cumulative thing doesn't stay down here. It stays up here. And it doesn't mean the fear doesn't come. It means when the fear comes, you fight back with something stronger. So the fear comes, it's still strong, but now you're actually like, oh yeah, that is scary. Let's go get it. <laughs> you know, and piece by piece, brick by brick, you do not rebuild your emotional framework overnight and you certainly are going to do it by not reading and translating the bible <laughs> it's the only way it's going to happen I, I mean you can hear and write it down too right and could you can you believe without writing yes it would take a very intentional sitting conversation reality which we don't have time for in this world frankly as, as it flies by right now you're going to sit down every day for three hours and have a conversation with your kids a lot easier to say smart note the proverbs and let's talk about the smart notes at dinner huh? uh, i mean why, why not you ever think about that? I mean, this is my... If my son watches, he's going to like be embarrassed or get a big head. My vicarage supervisor told me, it took me until my fifth kid to figure out 
that I should just tell that kid Bible verses all day long, every time I see him, because then that's all he'll know. And his fifth kid, that's what he did. I was watching. I was like, oh, that's okay. He was, was a standard last kid, too. So he had like that kind of, all us kids are a little, fearless is the right word, but you know what I'm talking about. I love my last kid. That's kind of proud, right? She gets away with a lot. <laughs> so anyway, so I was like thinking about that and I was like, oh, God, I really didn't do that with my first three kids. I mean, I tried. My wife's been great about it, but like, I didn't really do it the way he did it. And I, was like, I, just, I can't do it now. How am I going to do that? I don't have the overlap. We don't, we don't pass enough in the day. Is, is the book of Proverbs, in fact, guaranteed wisdom to make you the wisest man alive? Yes. Do children learn by having to go in and come out and in and go out? and in? Yeah. So if I make my nine-year-old like just translate Proverbs every morning for the rest of his like till he's 18, can it go wrong? Not really. <laughs> like, like, I mean, he can, right? But like, how is this not what we've already been doing? I know we memorized a lot of stuff in Lutheran day schools. What happened? What happened? You can do it. You can do it too. Get that smart note thing uh, picked up from uh, Pastor Olm. If you can, sign up for the newsletter, the e-magazine, Mad Mondays. You'll get your free copy of my book. Talk them into it. Or you can purchase the book online. I was going to announce, for those of you who care, two things. Uh, Announcements. um, How's the book doing in sales? And uh, and, uh, uh, Discord. Come back to Discord for a second. And I love the fact that it's going to be the Mad Christian Discord that tries to bring according to the world. It's hilarious. Okay. The book sales have been doing pretty well. Honestly, we're, we're averaging, about, averaging about five to six sales of the hard copy per day, which I consider to be pretty good for a self-published book. Uh, I have almost made back the money that I have put into it, including the purchasing of uh, 70 copies or so to give away. Um, that's almost made itself back. Uh, I'm contemplating now if I get money above that or even just what comes back in. Do I just shove it back in and start giving the book away yet? Uh, again, I'm not sure yet uh, where the best way to, to put that in is because I don't know, again, how consistent these sales will be. Most books do not last more than three months. But here's, here's what I'm watching for. If the book begins to rise and goes from being six or four or seven a day, high has been nine in terms of just averages, and then the super high was the day I bought a bunch of books. Um, and so uh, and I did that on the third day, which got, I think, probably probably about 20 books bought on the third day after it was released. And then it's dropped, right? Which I expected. Launch and then drop. And now six, five, four, seven, nine, six, six, four, right? It's right in there. If that climbs over the next three months. It'll climb like every week. It'll go from like averaging six to averaging seven to averaging six to averaging eight, right? When that passes 20, the book is going to stay. We, we made it, right? It's a movement, but it's got to pass 20 books a day. And I'm going to watch it carefully, but I'm not going to like watch it like every day because it's, it's going to take months. And the way that happens is I'm going to talk about it a lot. I'm going to tell you how good it is. I'm going to teach you about it on the show. I'm going to teach you about it in the sermons. I'm going to put everything into this book this year so that it can become the capacity, the capital on which to build further things. If we're going to build a framework for talking about Jesus in which you want to be able to go into the deeper stuff, you need this, you need this here first, right? Um, so uh, the more that you can buy the book, you can share the book, all that kind of stuff, the better off it's going to be. If you care about that, um, if you've read it, you know it's the kind of book that you're probably going to read again and you're probably going to share again, which probably can't be said. You could probably say that about Echo, I think. Um, I don't know. Would you ever return to Broken or not? Um, there's a lot of extra if you return, right? It's fun, the first read. And then it's like, oh, now this, this, you want to smart note this actually, and then not come back to this one again. Smart note this one though. You'll really get a good set of notes out of that. And without flesh, yeah, 
Oh, that, that one didn't. It came out right when COVID came out. I don't even know how it really did. Um, its first check was, you know, the way CPH does their money is all kind of backloaded. So this next check that I get from them, which will have these books in it as well, uh, will will show me really how Without Flesh is doing. I expect it to be significantly worse than Echo because there were just so many things working against it. And honestly, I'm not sure that um, we know how to break through the white noise with selling books. Uh, and so hence, I'm trying something really radical, right? And I'll just do it completely differently. Um, so, uh, so again, it's at about six to seven, which is great. Um, if it stays that way forever, that'd be amazing, but it probably won't. Uh, what is more likely again is that it's going to climb for a while and then it'll trail off and it'll stay below what it climbed at a peak to. However, it could climb multiple because the goal of this book is black arrows. It's going to like hit in groups and go, Ooh, kapush, Ooh, kapush. and all that is, is he has risen. You were paid for like, we start saying this to each other and if you're like, why do you have to learn how to say that? We all know that. It's like, yeah, but are we saying it? Oh, we're not, are we? Okay, so let's practice. <laughs> let's spend your practicing. That's what this is for, right? And hopefully it encourages you in that way. You guys have hung out a lot with me today. I came on late, early, uh, on late uh, because I woke up half an hour late, and I, it is Saturday morning chill. And so I told myself, if I'm going to get stressed about Saturday morning chill, that is not the chill. So thanks for hanging out and waiting for us to go on at 9. Uh, thank you for hanging around now till it's 11.20. Good, solid morning together. Of course, uh, A Brief History of Power. Again, I mentioned earlier with Kuntz. That is coming out. The new one came out just on Thursday. Stop the white noise with my wife. We continue to talk about when do we want to work this into our schedules. Uh, look for Christmas time, I think. With that podcast, that podcast will be about uh, parenting in a mass media age with Christian virtue. Much needed, I think. In the meantime, read your Psalms, as I've already said. Get connected to Sons of Solomon if you can. And, um, well, don't wallow in the muck with those who have no hope, yeah? Um, it'd be nice if I was prepared, completely prepared, to absolutely hit the right button. It's not even, oh, it's right there. <laughs> hold on, hold on. So now that I just kind of did that, um, I'm contemplating doing something else for you, but uh, now I'm changing my mind. Let me see here. The show's you know mostly over. I appreciate you guys hanging out. Um, what I'm really ah, I'll save for another time. This is the worst ending of this show ever. But you guys rock, and that's why I know you have enough hope to get to next week. Um, Lift up your eyes as you see the day approaching. Never let anything, even your own humanity, get in your way because the humanity that's in you, the spirit who lives in you, the breath of life who speaks, he is risen. Uh, he's not going to let you face this life sitting down. He's going to raise you right up. Akaluthese, moi, follow me. St. Matthew, uh, minor feast just happened right now. Follow me, he says, and you will not be disappointed. Was that worth a dollar? Click the Patreon link in the show notes to sign up. Pretty please? <laughs>